Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. to Bard's Logic, Political Talk, part of the Growing Conservative Conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Tonight, our guest is with us. We've had him on the show before, uh, and that is Charles Tolbert. And currently, he is running for Senate, uh, U.S. Senate in Florida. And tonight, we'll be talking about Cuban-U.S. relations and how are they changing and with Obama and the Catholic Church and finding out what is the connection. Uh, we will discuss uh, the changing relations between the United States and Cuba as the parts President Obama and the Catholic Church are playing. Is this a positive development for America, or what does it say about the Catholic Church Pope Francis? Uh, does this also foreshadow an increase in the influx of Cuban illegal immigration into America? If so, will this create a greater influence 
uh, to Marco Rubio and his campaign for the GOP's presidential nomination. And also we'll explore those things as well. Uh, so join us tonight. Uh, we do have our guest on the line, and we'll be bringing Kelly in uh, a little while as well. So first, uh, thank you very much, Charles, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing very well. Can I give a little background before we begin so we know where I'm coming from? Certainly, certainly. All right. I'd like to start out with the fact that I'm a retired master sergeant who served in the Army 22 years. I became a pastor in 1999. I got my doctorate degree in educational leadership in 2010. I was a candidate for governor of Florida. Fox News had us at 14% or 1.4 million votes two weeks prior to the election. We are forming a new political party called Citizens for a Better America. We're going to be on the ballot in November 2016 in Florida as a minor party. And our intent is to re-influence the Constitution of the United States. So now, having said that, our website is www.cfabamerica.com. We teach the Constitution on our website. We have articles concerning the IRS and other articles to include Common Core, the relationships of other governments, uh, the U.S. Constitution, the conflict between the First Amendment and the 14th Amendment. So we cover a wide variety of issues. What we're finding that a person who is not of a political party is not picked up by the press. So the fact that we ran as a no-party affiliated for the last two elections made us reevaluate what we're doing. And in July, we submit our bylaws and we submit our Constitution. Now, opening that up, I want to bring forth two books that I have in front of me. And it's going to lead into your discussion about the Pope, Cuba, Cuba and Rubio. The first book you've read yourself is called The Secret Terrorist by Bill Hughes, and it was written in 2002. And it goes into conspiracy theory of the Jesuits, the Federal Reserves, the sinking of the Titanic, and the involvement of the Pope in the United States and the construction of how we can get the United States out of its political arena in order to form a world power. The Pope, along with the Jesuits, have constantly disagreed with America how we're governing ourselves by the fact that they have controlled the Federal Reserves and the Federal Reserves are not established as what they should be because under the Constitution, Congress has the power not only to assign and get taxes and they have built an organization, which I want to get into the IRS, 
but they also have the power to produce money. And what they've done, they have bypassed both of their authorities under the Constitution. Now, this brings us to Amendment 10 of the Constitution, which is going to be the state's rights. And the state's rights is anything not found in the Constitution belongs to the state. What has happened, immigration is a state right, and yet the federal government has overridden the U.S. Constitution in many different areas. You have 100 senators, two from every state, and they're supposed to be voting to protect the United States because we're a federalist nation and we're governed by the states, whereas the federal government is only to protect us under defense and commerce. Now, having said that, there's been several conversations about Rubio and his right to run for president. None of the press has picked up the fact that Rubio, when born, both of his parents were not U.S. citizens. Rubio does not become a United States citizen until he is four years old and was basically part of the amnesty program, and he at that time held dual citizenship. Now, Rubio initially goes out and tells everybody he's against amnesty, and he also brings forth he does not want the Cuban relationships to mature to where it is at today where we have an open relationship. This is another fallacy that you're hearing from politicians because, as most of them have done, they've made a statement about what they do not want, but their records, when you check their voting records, will show you that they vote totally opposite or they abstain from voting when it's an issue that they are talking about. Now, we know when Rubio announced that he was going to run for president of the United States, he gave a lot of his speech in Spanish. In so doing, he was telling the Hispanic individuals that were in the audience that he will ensure that they have right. In fact, just recently, he made a comment to the Hispanics. He said, Latinos, do not let happen to you what happened to the blacks in America. So he's again dividing the difference between the communities in America using the same tactics that the Democrat Party did under Obama by division. Now you have a pope who in some ways has better intention than any of the popes that we've had. And I was a Catholic up until 1999 and I taught marriage encounter under the Catholic Church, and I was very much aware of what the Catholic Church was doing from one standpoint and one standpoint only. Recently, however, and reading that I just told you about, verifying it with other factors, I noticed there was a great decrease in the church. Now, the church is the assembly that collects money in order to sustain its power that it has in a community. When the Catholic Church lost a large percentage of its followers in America, 
we all of a sudden see that the Pope and other individuals are supporting amnesty and bringing in immigrants legally or illegally into the United States to strengthen their base. Now, a church base is usually the same as a political base. If you have a large amount of money, you can change policies. Now, we just heard the Pope announce that he's working with the United Nations on our climate, and he's now getting involved not only in Cuba, he's not only getting involved in other countries, he's now back working with the United Nations. This is a lead to where the Catholic Church has been discussing for many years, and it's about a one-world power. Now, a lot of people don't understand that this is not a religious argument. It is no more of a religious argument than it is as a violation of the antitrust laws that the Democrats and the Republicans have done by giving you a false agenda, making you believe that you're voting for a political party where, in fact, the policies of Obama is nothing but George Bush's father's policy and an enactment of leading us into the same issues. We have been able to trace money back from Obama and found out there was a relationship between the Bush family by seven generations uh, that the Obamas uh, were, were related. And in the same token, we found that the Bushes, the Masons, the Communist Party in Europe, the Catholic Church, all had the same agenda. And this agenda, of course, is a one-world power. The fact the Federal Reserves is not owned or is the money published or produced by the Congress, but is in fact by a group of bankers that was first initiated by the Jesuits and the fact that in the book it shows a trail of individuals who were going to vote against the Federal Reserves, that they actually, those individuals died when the Titanic was sunk. Now, we might ask ourselves as I'm talking how much of this is a coincidence because there are many conspiracy theories that are nothing but coincidences. We can take the death of Kennedy or Reagan or anyone else that there's been articles that people have died of food poisoning, people have died from other diseases. Now, we bring this all back together because I have asked the gentleman to join us tonight, and I'm hoping he calls in. The gentleman, in fact, was a small business owner who the IRS just took away $107,000 from his bank account. The IRS is allegedly acting in behalf of Congress since Congress has established them. And there's a rule that if you deposit $10,000 in cash, the FBI will investigate you. Under that Mm -hmm. investigation, the IRS will take money away from you. The IRS has now said that they did it wrong. They offered to return half the money. They then now have agreed to return all the money, but they're not covering any of the co-costs. 
what I'm trying to do here is paint you a really big picture that takes you back to Rubio, Cuba, the Catholic Church, the Federal Reserves, the IRS, and the larger picture of one world power. When we look at one aspect of a picture, we're missing the whole picture. So now that you've got a picture and we filled it all out, and Rubio is making comments against the getting back to Cuba, but yet he's talking to individuals in Spanish, which is totally opposite. The fact the press is not even picking up the fact that Rubio cannot even run for president, we're going to go... Well, Obama really couldn't either, but go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to go into a conversation that Rubio's intent is not to run for president of the United States. What is happening, there were several individuals that were Republicans that were going to run for Senate. But the word got out that Rubio knows that in March he must switch back to run for Senate. So the attorney general, the lieutenant governor, and other prominent Republicans who were going to put their name in the ballot withheld their name because what they know that's going to happen is that Jeb Bush will end up being the Republican nominee for U.S. president, which is a story by itself, can get into about his wealth of one point some billion dollars and how he's got it from the Mexican cartel and how he ended up where he's at. So now you have Rubio, who is out there making speeches, filling out what's going on, setting up a base camp where Jeb Bush is bringing money in, not listing everything that he's doing yet because he's letting all the groundwork to be laid. Now, in March in the primary, and there were several articles on it that are telling us what Rubio is going to do. Rubio is going to do everything he can to ensure the relationships between Cuba and the United States that happens. Rubio is going to support the amnesty program. Rubio is going to be working with the Catholic Church and the Pope because his income base and his financing are going to come from this base of individuals and not percent of the citizens in Florida who are no party affiliated. We're going to find that based on what we've seen through our campaigning through Florida, that the press is going to continue to support a Republican or Democrat, not tying together their real intent. We're going to find that the Pope, who happens to have some really great ideas, because we see where he tells the priests they need to get back in the neighborhood and of course you got to ask yourself why and it's because the flock have left the building there's been a huge decrease in income in the catholic church from the united states so the catholic church being concerned is getting involved in american politics inviting the president of the united states to meet with them is, again, 
Is it a conspiracy theory or is it a coincidence that they have the same mind where the President of the United States wants to see us to go to one world power? I sent you an article today which is going to relate to the same subject. Members of the military, and remember I'm a retired master sergeant. I spent 22 years. Mm -hmm. I'm a Vietnam veteran. The ministries in the military today are leaving the military. The chaplains. Yeah, I've been hearing hearing about that. I've seen some other articles. uh, I've seen some other articles regarding that fact where uh, there's no, you know, they're not going to allow any kind of proselytizing or anything like that nature uh, in the military and, the, and things of that nature. Go ahead. Yeah, and and this see, but this all ties together, and this is what we have to understand. They have determined that certain Christian organizations are of negative influence because we speak against certain rights of the 14th Amendment and certain issues of equality. I have an article, which comes first, the First Amendment, the religious rights and the word marriage, or the 14th Amendment and the rights of an individual under the IRS to have equal rights under a civil union. So we take the two words. Well, they have determined in these articles and that the military has determined that we are going to lower our moral standards. We're going to allow more Muslim advocates in these organizations, and we're seeing a decrease of Christian men and women joining the military and an increase of individuals joining the military We can put together, again, a coincidence how this may reflect an increase of the Muslim Brotherhood being part of our military base. So, you know, you got a really big picture here. you got to look at if we have a Christian organization being taken away, we have the Pope working with the President of the United States in Cuba, we have a Pope who has joined uh, the United Nations for climate control, setting 15 new policies that how the Federal Reserve is tied into the Jesuits and the Catholic Church in Rome. We we see a tie-in that Rubio is from Cuba, whose parents came uh, the first time on a work permit. He was born, lived here four years, went back, was here for a couple years, went back to Cuba, came back again, fell into the amnesty program, So how many coincidences, and why do we need to form a political party that is outside of the mainstream? Now, we know that George Washington, under the Whig Party, later on the Republican Party, made statements that two political parties will destroy America. Jefferson, Washington, and Lincoln also said the controlling of the monetary will also troll the people of a country. So the fact that Congress has allowed the Federal Reserves that's owned by the major banking industry and Rothschild and uh, other individuals who all are tied back into the Catholic Church are controlling our income. Now, we're finding a lot of Hispanic mayors 
and local senators in Florida are supporting opening channels to Cuba. And their argument is in opening the channels and going along with the Catholic Church and going along with the Pope and going along with the governor of Florida that they can increase the number of people to work in the farms and products in Florida, which means we would export more overseas to other countries. This, again, ties back into a one-world power. And, and real quick, uh, and, and real quick, I want to interject here, and I don't do this uh, normally, but you've uh, mentioned that perhaps that I should tonight, if we see uh, someone come into the uh, the call, and I believe we may have uh, Nyden on the line uh, to tell us his experience and what's uh, happening with him with the IRS. So let's go ahead and check on that, and I'll uh, we'll continue back with you. What you're doing is fascinating. Uh, what you're talking about that may not be the most popular thing uh, for us to talk about, but uh, definitely important. So let's well, go I ahead want, and yeah. check it out. Yeah, I want him on the show, yep. so please do that. So, okay, and I've got area code 910 here in North Carolina. Is that United? Uh, yes, sir. This is North Carolina. Okay, well, thank you very much, Nyden, for coming on to the show. Yeah, uh, what happened with you with the IRS was conveyed to me uh, by our guest tonight, uh, Charles, and I appreciate, Charles, you giving him uh, the number if we could call in and tell us uh, what's uh, going on with him and his play with the IRS. So now I'm going to go ahead and uh, I've seen the article, and so go ahead and tell you, and I will I'll be sending the article out to folks in who are on the email list uh, so they can read about the, the story as well. Uh, but let's go ahead and hear it uh, straight from you, sir. And uh, go ahead. Uh, you have, as we say here, the mic is yours. Okay. Well, thank you, and thank you for inviting me. Um, You're welcome. Uh, this afternoon, I got a call from the uh, Institute for Justice. says the government has uh, agreed to give me my money back uh, at this point. And it's been a tough 10 months. Um, but, it, and, you know, that was great news today. Of course, but uh, it, it's been a hard-fought battle. Um, it's uh, almost like a nightmare that took ten months to end. But um, you know, my experience with it was uh, like I've said all the whole time. I didn't think I'd done anything wrong. I uh, felt like I needed to stand up for what I feel like is right, and so does other people. Uh, that's occurred. Anything that's uh, that's ever happened to them that they felt like they were done wrong. Um, Explain how it took place and what took place in your store business when the FBI came in. Uh, they just came in. I, I wasn't here when they first walked in. I, they called me and, and told me there was some gentlemen here to see me. I came in a little bit later. Um, there were several of them here. I spoke briefly with uh, with two of them. And uh, <clears throat> they said, you know, rather than making a, a scene in front of you, Customers, because we were, of course, open for business. If you got some more, we can talk. So we went to the back part of the store, and uh, <clears throat> they told me they identified themselves, and uh, they told me that they asked me, "Did I know what structure was?" And I said, "No, sir, I don't know what that is." And he says, "That's where, if you're making deposits less than ten thousand um, dollars, or any business that's making a deposit less than ten thousand dollars." 
and I, I want to say in a 24-hour period is what they use it. And they add it up, and it comes over $10,000 in that 24-hour period between whatever deposits you've made. They, what I was told was, we think you're structuring. We think you had that money the day before. Uh, and you just intentionally are not putting it, is not putting it in the bank. And I said, no, sir. I said, uh, you know, I don't think you're trying to hide anything if you're trying to, if you're putting it in the bank. But uh, their eyes was a little bit different than, than, they were looking at a, a difference than I was. Uh, um, I said, you know, if it's in the bank, you're definitely not trying to hide it. And they went on and saying, you know, this is structuring and, and and the penalty for structuring is we have seized all your assets, and uh, which at that time was a little over a hundred thousand dollars. And I said, well, you know, if if you knew what I don't, I didn't try to hide that from you because you, you you took it. They never said they took it; they said they seized it. Bottom line, though, is if I tell you I took something from you, and you don't have it anymore. I didn't seize it. I took it. <laughs> um, yeah. That's the way I looked at it, and that's that's the way. It, and and um, that was pretty much um, all that was said that particular day. Uh, when they left, they left me saying that they would uh, that I would be mailed the paperwork, and they walked out. Uh, but I, at, at the time. Um, when I first started talking to them, I didn't realize they had stopped by the bank and uh, and um, seized all the assets until they told me. They were talking to me about 10.30 in the morning. Uh, the records I seen, they got my money out of the bank about 9.05. So, um, they had it when they were talking to me. I, I, was, I was like, well, at least they, you know, they come out and tell you what they've done. I, I was lost uh, on what to do. Didn't know what to do. Um, started talking to people and started, you know, people started, you know, if you feel like you've done, if you if you feel like you've been treated wrong and you feel like you're right, stand up and fight for it. So I got up with, uh, eventually it took a little while, got up with uh, the Institute for Justice. They, they represented me on the legal side of it. And those guys are superb. I mean, and the phone calls I've got from just American people itself has been overwhelmed to me that most the people like you guys and everybody else that would even take an interest in it. And I, I've tried to call everybody back that's called me, whether they're just saying we're praying for you or whether it was, you know, we want you to do this, we'd like for you to. And I've tried to, to return everybody's phone calls. And if I miss somebody out there, if they'll call me, I'll talk to them. <laughs> I, I feel like that's the least I could do because I had a lot of people behind me, a lot of people supporting me, and um, if you ever feel like you you're right and you and you got faith in what you feel like you're right about, I don't think you'd be wrong. Yeah. What kind of business do you have, and how do you how do you get paid uh, in in the products that you have? Uh, we have a little convenience store, with a little uh, grill in it. Uh, we we sell gasoline, cigarettes, anything a typical uh, convenience store would sell, along with um, hot dogs, fried chicken, pizzas, and so forth. 
So um, you normally get paid in cash, and you would then deposit the cash that you receive from one or two days of earnings, correct? Yes, yeah. Yes, and sir, you we, had we do books and records showing that. Yeah, it's it's a you do have a it's a cash business, not a hundred percent cash, but there's a lot of cash. You you got credit cards and so forth, but you do have on some cash. And um, and when I went home that night, I I understood what they were saying about adding up the deposits. But you know, if you start off at five hundred dollars and you add long enough, you'll be at ten thousand, and that's what they were saying. They were adding the deposits together within that 24-hour uh, time frame, so to speak. And if they come up to ten thousand and seventeen dollars, then that was considered structuring, and therefore they could seize your assets. Hmm. And and you and you understand that what they're saying then is any small business that work and reports their money and deposits their money legally into a bank they can go to that small business and take their money away, whereas if you illegally hid your money and didn't deposit yeah. it, then the IRS would do nothing it, yeah. about that. Correct. Uh, that's what well, it, it seems like to me. I, I, again, I, you know, I didn't know there was a certain way to, to deposit your money in the bank. I thought, you know, if you if whatever you got uh, is, um, you know, if you have, Several thousand dollars, or you have several hundred dollars. That's all you got. That's all you can put in the bank. Is what you got. What did the IRS say to you recently? They offered you first half of the amount of money and told you to go away, and then they came back and offered you all of it back, but wouldn't cover your expenses for the law lawyers. Uh, yeah, they did offer me half, uh, and, and I, I I turned it down. And then I got up with the, this uh, Institute for Justice, and I was called this afternoon and told that they um, were willingly to give uh, going to give me my money back, uh, but not the uh, legal expense that this, that's a, that's been created uh, at this point. But, what do you um, estimate your legal expenses are at this time? Uh, I'm really not sure. Uh, uh, I could tell you more if I knew tomorrow because uh, I'd rather not say because I don't know for sure. And, okay. And, uh, but to be honest with now you, it's thousands of dollars. When did this all start? Um, June the 30th, 2014. And when did everybody start talking to you about giving your money back? Just the last couple of days? I was represented through to uh, Institute for Justice. I've, as far as speaking to one of those government officials, I have not. Yeah, I know one of my friends, Nathan, got involved with you, and then 10 days ago we started publicizing what was going on with you, and we know within the last four or five days you've gotten a large influx of conversations with many people. Has any of the senators who are the ones responsible for the IRS called and talked to you at all? Well, uh, one of the congressmen's offices did call me. Not him himself, but, uh, you know, they must have 30, 35 people worked for him, uh, which was a lady. She did call me last week, and uh, we had a, a, a brief conversation, and um, it, I thought it was... Uh, 
was uh, very interesting uh, that they would, you know, even consider calling. And uh, but but they did. Uh, that that particular uh, uh, congressman. Uh, Which state was they from? Uh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. North Carolina. I understand you've been getting a lot of calls lately from Iowa. <laughs> yes, sir. Got quite a few calls from support from up that way. Um, uh, you know, from hey, we standing behind you. Uh, appreciate you, uh, you know, standing up for what's right, what you think is right, and what is right. And um, got a, got a lot of calls from the Iowa area. Uh, appreciate everybody that was thinking about about us down here and praying for us. Yes, and all, uh, it all worked out. Has the fact that you did not have that capital as working capital in your business affected your ability to restock and to re uh, uh, and pay your wages for your business? Well, I was, I was fortunate enough that I, I I've been able to to hold my own, so to speak. Uh, it, it's 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 <laughs> it's kind of tough, but you know, in, in the business world today is pretty tough anyway. So. Anybody that's in a business knows that you got to work to, to make it to make it happen. Sometimes you might have to work a little bit harder than kind of were expecting to. But we found that and, and, we've done yeah, and, and of course you realize that America is built on businesses like yours, and that when the IRS comes in and causes you a problem, it affects every American because the large businesses who do that have lobbyists, and they can get away with this. Whereas America is still governed by 80% of its income from small businesses. And can you imagine that you're doing what you're doing, how you're helping 82% of all business income and production in America? And this is maybe a very trying thing for you, but, you know, the fact that you're going to be the example for all businesses to stand up should be a great mm-hmm. feeling for you. And we got uh, we well, got a couple folks. Uh, we, we've got some folks in the line, and but we also have a couple folks wanting to chime in. But first, uh, we want to bring in our panelist uh, Kelly, who is also our resident constitutional scholar. So I want to bring him in. He's from California, uh, and then we have uh, a couple other folks. We also have Chad on the line. Uh, who we'll be bringing in after Kelly. So let's go ahead and bring Kelly in. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing good. I read the story uh, there, sir, and I'm uh, just really stunned. Um, Just read it today. But, uh, yeah, I'm in California, Northern California, and I was originally raised in Iowa. You were mentioning Iowa folk. They're really good people there back in the Midwest. Um, I got a couple questions for you because I was reading when I read the article today. It looked like the IRS had a policy and the Justice Department had a similar policy that they wouldn't seize people under this structure thing unless there were charges filed or under investigation. Um, And then it looks like they just somehow decided to change the rules and not play by their own policy as well as the Fourth Amendment, but that's another story. Can you fill us in on that a little bit more? Okay, I'm sorry. You're talking to me? Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, you know. I'm you really not sure. I'm sorry? Yeah, no, Floyd, right? With... 
Well, I, I read it. it was, you, sir. Yeah. The, the, anyway, yeah. About your tax situation, the policy change. Uh, there's been some kind of policy change back in October. Um, I'm not real familiar with what it was. Uh, um, <laughs> I was kind of caught on the tail end of it, so I was still in the water trying to keep my head above the water when that policy change was, was made as far as looking at it. Um, mine was, uh, my seizure came in July. I think the, the, their paperwork was filed on December, and between July and December they did do some changes from my understanding, but I'm not sure exactly what that was uh, at this time. I, I still don't know exactly what it changed. Okay, well... The IRS is not known for consistency in the sense of, uh, you know, even following their own standards because they can't understand it because their manual is so thick. And I, w- I was told that that uh, under the new, under the changing, that they cannot seize a person's assets without being uh, charged or some to that effect. I'm, and I'm not sure about that, but I I was told that. Um, yeah, I, well, it was the article I read, basically, that said they had the policy in place that they don't go after assets. It was both the Justice Department and the IRS unless um, they were under investigation or had an arrest warrant or something like that, that they really couldn't touch it. But it sounds like they violated the policy. The thing with the IRS, here's the bottom line. Well, the thing I don't like about the IRS the most is when you put the and IRS together, it spells theirs, which <laughs> illustrates their, yeah. yeah, and it illustrates their attitude, I think, the best is ours. But, but in the bigger picture, they may or may not have the authority, but it's regardless. Even if they don't have the authority at times, they have the power, power. They will seize your assets, which means what? Oh, you can't hire an attorney. Oh, goodness, you can't defend yourself, you can't sue them, and then they come back. Well, we'll give you half back. Like, what? So that, that is just a real problem, the power versus authority. And, I mean, I I look at the IRS as just a freaking game show, pardon my French, but I, I just, I've heard too many stories, too many games being played. Well, you know, in your situation, where was your Fourth Amendment right, the right to be secure in your, person's, in your person, your property, and your effects? Effects is wide-reaching, obviously, a bank account. Where is a judicial order for the seizure? That didn't exist, did it? No. I mean, another thing that happens, you know, when people get in trouble with the IRS and they want to mess up your life just because you're a political opponent or a Christian, um, you know, they want to arrest somebody, throw them in, the, in jail. You know what? They, they skip the Fifth Amendment, which is the, a requirement of a grand jury indictment, basically a felony actually. Justice uh, William L. Douglas, and I think it was, well, the U.S. versus Doherty basically said um, a misdemeanor is an infamous offense, and the Fifth Amendment says no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime without a presentment or indictment by a grand jury. They totally skip that. The IRS totally skips that, puts them in their IRS court, which is different from the actual um, federal court system. And they have, again, it's the power. Theoretically, under the Constitution, they really don't have this power, but they do it anyway. I mean, these jokers, Trafficant was one 
Um, he was uh, sheriff in Pennsylvania, became a congressman, and he stood up against the IRS requiring that they um, operate only after they have the burden of proof completed. And he dropped the foreclosure rate down to, like, it stopped about 80%, 90% of their activity. And then, you know, they framed him and put him in jail for seven years. I mean, this is how serious this system is, that you buck them and expose them and limit, tie their hands, they retaliate. I mean, that's just kind of my take on the the theirs system. But do you know anything in the Constitution that gives them, gives them any power since that's a Congress responsibility? What gives them the authority if they're only a department and an extension of Congress that they can even do that? I cannot find anything in the Constitution that gives them any of this authority, and I read the Constitution like you do. Well, here's an interesting thing about their, again, I go back to authority versus power. The authority of the federal government doesn't extend into the states under the Constitution. They set it up 10 square miles, which is Washington, D.C., Fort Arsenal's enclaves. There's some limited jurisdiction in federal lands, but when you go into a state, this is Prince versus U.S., this is U.S. versus Bond, a more recent case, there's uh, several of these cases, that you don't, states' rights versus federal. There's a line. You can't cross that. However, if you are filing a tax return with them, you have given them jurisdiction to contract. It's a very frustrating thing. You know, there's another one, um, jurisdictional challenge, people who have been messed with by the IRS go to the judge and say, look, jurisdictional ta- challenge, Title 40, Section 255 of the U.S. Code, in terms of note number 14. And then they don't go to court again because the IRS can't prove their jurisdiction. The whole thing is a freaking game show based on their power intimidation tactics and everything else. It's it's a disgusting system that our founders absolutely abhorred. I mean, there's a reason why they put in the Constitution no direct taxes. And then it was the um, Bishaber versus Union Pacific Railroad that said, well, this only relates to corporations pursuant to the Corporate Tax Act of, I think it was 1894 or 1895, where the IRS could go after corporate, you know, could tax corporations, but not individuals. I mean, the whole system, I, I go back again to power versus authority. They may not have the authority, but they sure have the power and intimidation, and they go to a bank and they grab your money, and I'm glad you're getting it back, but they should have at least paid you interest. And also, what about us to ease? Well, that's, that's the way I'll put to uh they they should uh, have to pay any um, interest or anything else that's due on it, but you know we have to wait and see what happens at this point. Uh, don't know what's going to happen with that, uh, but we um, it's a uh, it's a pretty tough situation to have to be in. Um, unfortunately for people, not only me, I've talked to several people, and there's more than that out there that has experienced some of the same thing I've experienced. Um, again, uh, it's been a tough 10 months, but, uh, they did, um, say that they were, were they were going to give him my money back. Uh, they didn't mention anything about the interest of it, or, or anything about, uh, any kind of fees that have occurred, but, uh, you know, that's, um, 
that's something we have to look at. Well, I well, pain and suffering too, and attorney's fees. Come on, where's justice here? I got another question for you. From the article I read, somebody from the state kind of turned you in. Did you know anything about that or how that worked? No, sir. I didn't. Hadn't heard that one. <laughs> Uh, well, it was actually the bank, I think, that reported it to the FBI, and the FBI then reported okay. to the IRS, and it kind of went that channel. The bank, the bank has the responsibility of reporting. Mm-hmm. So, but at the same time, the, the bank tellers are telling you, oh, don't don't give us 10000 because we have to do a bit additional paperwork. Was that is that correct? They're not allowed uh, to tell you that. The federal law stops them, and I owned a, a business selling airplanes, and we did a lot of things for many years. This is Dr. Tolbert. The banks are not allowed to tell you do not deposit $10,000 or more over a period of time. They are under strict rules and laws to set you up, let happen exactly what happened to him and it is construed as that if you do this and put it in there, then your intent is to get over, so they're not going to try to protect you at the bank. So, what did you say it was $17, $17 over the 10000 over the 24-hour you period? Get, was that? That's correct. That's no, correct. $17. Dollars. Not, yeah, all you had to do is anything over in a 24-hour period, you could have put $9,999 over that period of time, and you never had a problem. And I think this goes back to the fact of closure of the IRS and H.R. 25, which I have an article on, what's called the Fair Tax Law. Congress has the ability to establish and change the laws on how to collect taxes. They do not need or do they get votes, nor is the United States citizen represented in any of the taxation. Many of us believe that we have taxation by representation in the U.S. Constitution, but in fact we do not. That power is solely given to Congress, but that Congress is your two state senators from the 50 states. So your representation is strictly by who you vote into office. So if you want to close the IRS, you've got to get behind H.R. 25, you got to close the IRS. You got to get rid of all the nonprofit organizations, your 501c3s, your fours, all these other organizations. You've got to let things like this that happened to him cease and desist. And only the state representatives and your Congress have the power to enforce any law or anything of that. And when the fact that we allow the FBI and the IRS to take advantage of 82% of our production and income through small businesses and our political parties do not stand up and defend this young man, this is where our problem is today. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's ridiculous because these structuring laws, you know, these structuring laws that were put out, I mean, they were meant to, uh, you know, catch drug trafficking and money laundering and things of that nature. I'm in an industry that, you know, we have to study and be aware of structuring. Uh, But you got, I mean, you would think it'd be quite obvious that, you know, what you were doing wasn't. I mean, what if you have a day? Here's my question is, and this is just a general question, um, kind of rhetorical. 
is what if you uh, had a, a day at the store where you made less than $10,000, okay, you wanted to deposit the money into the bank, you know, because you didn't want all that cash sitting around, but yet it's illegal to do that. What if you only had $9,000, $9,500 in, uh, in sales that day that you wanted to take to the bank for safekeeping? Are you not allowed to deposit that? Uh, if you do it several times, they're going to call it uh, um, probably just one time, but I know if you do it several times, they consider it in that 24-hour period, from what I was told, it would be considered structuring. But you're exactly right. Some days that you might not have, you know, $4,200 a day and and 53 tomorrow, and, um, you know, you add it together, uh, it, it's considered structuring. Uh, so what you have to do, yeah. So what you had to do in a twenty-four hour period, even though you might have made eleven, twelve thousand dollars, you had to only deposit nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine dollars to forego the structuring, and you had had to wait till you had a bad day, leaving your cash susceptible to being robbed and not put into the banking system, in order to to forego what the IRS has set up to deny you your rights to protect your own money, they want you to do something that doesn't allow you to draw interest, doesn't allow you to protect your money, doesn't allow you to do anything as a small business. Imagine how many small businesses in the United States work on the thing that they might make four or $5,000 and they want to deposit and they cannot do that. <clears throat> that well, I, to me... I would just deposit it, but I mean, you know, you have to be careful. Right? What I was told, if you play around that ten thousand uh, um, dollar mark, um, you, you could get easily get uh, accused of obstruction or doing something that you shouldn't do. Um, my thing is, if you if you put your money in the bank, like I've told them from day one, you're not hiding anything if you put it in the bank. And if you wind up with half a million dollars in the bank, you put it in there a thousand dollars at a time, that should be that should be your privilege to do so. Uh, not uh not somebody tell you, you know, you've done wrong and we're just gonna zap your account. But uh, you know, that I don't know what the law is now and didn't know what it was then. <laughs> don't know a whole lot about structuring, know a lot more about it than I did a year ago or ten months ago, I'm sorry. Um they just, uh, from my understanding, is if you play around the ten thousand dollar mark, they you could get in trouble. Even even with withdrawals, um, that's what I was told. So, um, I um, I don't know what they changed in October. Uh, I'm sure that the, I'm sure hoping that they they change it because it's not it's not right. Um, would like to see it changed because it, it's it's not fair to the American people. That, Nobody should have to go through a nightmare that people have went through, including. Are you involved in politics? Yeah. Are you involved in politics in your community at all? No, sir. I, I'm a country boy. I'm about as close to being a politician as walking on the moon. So you know that ain't. Yeah. That ain't <laughs> and that's the happen. point I. And that's the point I wanted to make because you could see political parties would try to go against other political parties. I'm thinking that. You know, as a church would take in large donations, 
how would a church deposit its money on a daily basis and not be accounted for by the same token the way you were accounted? Or how does other small businesses account for their money and able to deposit? And why did they single you out of all people? Now, there were a couple other ones, and we were talking to Nathan and several people about this, of other companies. This is not a new thing. There were over 40 cases within the last three or four years where the IRS seized the money illegally and kept the money, and the people never got it back. Um, and, and, and folks, what I want to do now is we, I definitely want to come back to this, uh, but I do want uh, I don't like to have folks waiting on the line uh, too long before we bring them in. Now it's going to switch back to our original topic for a while, but I certainly uh, no, I didn't want to bring uh, this back to our discussion with what you're going through and what we're discussing here. Uh, but I do not want to have Chad waiting on the line uh, too long. Okay. So let's go ahead and bring uh, Chad in, and he's going to kind of bring us back um, to our original conversation. Uh, but we will, as I said, uh, revisit and come back. There's still plenty of time. We've still got a good uh, two hours left of the show. But first, before we bring Chad in, just one more thing uh, of program notes that I have to do is uh, we'll take a few moments here, just about 30 seconds or so, to hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show, you're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team grassroots conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at patriotjournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. And definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network, uh, in which Bard's Logic Political Talk is uh, part of, and check it out today. And that is, again, www.patriotjournalist.com. And so let's go ahead and uh, bring it over to you, Chad. Chad, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Good, guys. How are you today? This is Chad out of New York State. New York State, great. We're all across the country here. Go ahead, uh, Chad. <laughs> you guys all sound like you're from down south where you didn't have to deal with the uh, 14 feet of snow that we've kept receiving up here. Oh, yeah, we've got people from Florida, California, Ohio uh, here. Oh, man. <laughs> so we're from, yeah, we're, from, we're from all over. Go ahead. <laughs> Very good. Well, hey, guys, I uh, I enjoyed the program Uh we were just talking about a monetary system that is very interesting because my perspective in current events comes from a biblical one. I just want to kind of give you guys a snapshot of where I'm coming from and sort of define some terms so we understand at least where I'm coming from. I'm not sure what your view is, but I do think it's interesting that we're all witnessing something extraordinary happen. We're seeing the government act different than any other time in history. We're seeing a peace movement that has never been done any time in history. And we're seeing an interesting unity of world uh, togetherness, if you will, excluding Jews and Christians. So we're actually in a, in a time where I believe it's called the biblical eschatological period. Uh, and if you don't know what eschatology is, I'll quickly define that for you. Eschatology means end days or end times. So I take the position from a conservative Christian, born-again believer. I've been saved for 12 years, 
And I uh, never looked back. Jesus Christ saved my life. I was uh, a downright sinner, uh, worse than Apostle Paul, as he claimed himself the chief of sinners. I would argue with him there. Uh, I was uh, pretty pretty nasty, but God, by his grace and his mercy, saved me in a, uh, through his son Christ, and I, I repented, put my trust in him 12 years ago. Now, uh, I started kind of growing an interest in biblical eschatology because my uncle, who had witnessed to me, uh, is how I got saved. Uh, he has been studying eschatology for 35 years. So a lot of you old-timers out there listening right now, as you saw current events change over a period of time, so did he, but he studied it through the lens of the Bible. So he's seen change after change after change, matching current events with what we would consider eschatology. Now, uh, I, I don't know how often you guys get into this kind of conversation. How often do you guys talk about end-time biblical eschatology? Oh, well, Robert seems to turn the show into the uh, Bar's Logic Gospel Hour every now and then. And I totally tease Robert about that because he... Yes, uh, you do, Kelly. And why is that, and why is that so amazing? Because <laughs> yeah. I'd like to tease you. <laughs> yeah, well, well, why is that? And because because, you, because you know where my religious stance is. I'm the pagan of the group, well, remember? <laughs> well, what I appreciate, Robert, what I appreciate about you... Is is that you let this stuff, even though you don't necessarily believe, or you know, I think you believe in a God, but not necessarily practicing in any kind of denomination or anything. I, I appreciate your openness to let us talk about these things. And respect, I guess, is what yeah. I'm saying. You give us. Yep. Yep. And yeah, we this always is talk. This is Doctor. Oh, Can I interject a second? Sure. Yeah, I have a master's degree in theology, so I understand Wonderful. where the gentleman from New York is coming from because I'm also a Great. pastor besides being retired military. And I'm also non-denomination, so I understand the importance. And I don't believe in the building as the building people go to, but I believe the building as the building we are. And as yes. we look at the biblical basis and the separation of how the yes. buildings or assemblies are decreasing, this is going to take us back to your original conversation, Robert, which is the Pope, Cuba, and the support of the church, and how if we destroy the community, we destroy the home, we destroy the family, we destroy the Jewish community, and we, in fact we have articles in our new constitution about protecting the Jewish communities and the, and the religious responsibility that we have as Americans to stand up and protect religious uh, hold and threshold according to biblical standards, what's not that we would call this the end time or not the end time. That's a matter of interpretation. But the fact remains that we as Americans who have a U.S. Constitution that mentions God several different times and was based on biblical standards and so our entire structure of the United States Constitution is a biblical structured document that uses the terminologies and wording of the Ten Commandments. So as we go through theology and we go into Christian or God or Jewish viewpoints, we find that if we destroy these viewpoints and we get back into Lot and the families of the Moabites and the Canaanites and the Muslims and how all these people become the brotherhood 
and how Moses traveled through Iraq, Iran, and Syria, and the conflicts we have there today, and how these viewpoints today that went on for thousands of years are ongoing conflict, that the entire intent of Muslim has always been the destruction of Christianity and Judaism, and so any support the U.S. government gives to Iran or other countries that have already said and committed that they would destroy Israel is actually taking hold of biblical writings that people that have backgrounds in theology would look at and say, okay, this is a stepping stone toward what the gentleman in New York said, the end times. We look at the structure of the Catholic Church. We look at the one world power. We look at the United Nations. So you have to take this whole thing and put it in a big picture. Every little piece leads us through theology, through biblical times, through the Constitution, and how there's writing and and by the Pope who has enforced and supported Hitler, who has influenced and supported other doctrines of one world power. The American people are not aware of this, but there has been a large movement of people getting away from the buildings and assemblies and going back and doing what we do as a ministry, and that is what did you do under John 21 to help your neighbor in a community? If you did not be Charles, let's go ahead and uh, I don't think we gave uh, Chad enough time, and, and, you know, we we have plenty of time, but let's go ahead and bring things back. Uh, We'll we'll get to you to finish those thoughts. But I think we uh, kind of feel like we kind of cut Chad off, and I want to go ahead and give him, uh, you know, give him time as well. And I, I honestly don't think we gave him enough of that. So go ahead, uh, okay. go ahead, Chad. Let's bring it back in, and we'll, we'll bring it. Because I know Kelly and I, went, went with our little uh, humorous bantering back and forth, as he was uh, teasing me about the uh, what, what whatever the the hour you call it, <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> but uh, I know that kind of uh, spurred us into the direction. Uh, that we're at now, but let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Chad. Go ahead. Okay, and breathe. Wow. All right. Man, I I don't know how he did that all in one breath. That was amazing. That was incredible. We got some Thank great uh, speakers that uh, we come <laughs> on to the show. I've just oh, it looks like we lo- Hello? Go ahead. Go ahead, Chad. Okay. I'm just teasing them, though. That was a good explanation, both religious and political. Uh, I didn't catch all of that, but uh, well, anyway, I uh, I'll be I'll be as brief as I can. Although this particular topic is is quite extraordinary and it's uh, it's very deep. Uh, so what I'm going to do is, uh, if it's okay with you and time permits, I will read to you. Uh, from Daniel chapter nine, which I think is a fascinating uh, is a uh, fascinating little thing, and then I also would, would love to read from Daniel chapter two. And actually, I'm trying to think what would make more sense to start with. Maybe we'll go to Daniel two first. Actually, is that okay that I start with Daniel but, two and talk to you guys about it? Whichever you want to. But before uh, you do, a little programming note. It looks like unfortunately uh, we've lost Niden. So if there's a way that you have uh, Charles to uh, contact him, see if we can uh, get him back onto 
uh, show if he's got time and uh, it's not too late for him. So I really would like to bring things back uh, to our discussion with what Niden's going through. Uh, but I did want to, as I said earlier, I wanted to bring Chad in because I didn't want him to be on the, you know, holding on the line too long uh, for yeah, us. And so, uh, Charles, if you can find a way of maybe bringing him back in, if he can do it, uh, I'd appreciate it. Uh, if not, uh, we'll definitely like to have him uh, back on the show soon as uh, possibly uh, in another one of our our guests. So, hmm? Was he the preacher, the guy that just got cut off there? Is he the, was he the guy that was Neither was uh, the gentleman who uh, was having the issues, or not issues, but, you know, was, was being targeted, oh, it oh. sounds like, at least by the okay. IRS. I'd like to bring him back. Gotcha. Back in, but it looks like we lost his line. So, Charles, if you can contact him and see if uh, he yeah, can come I, back. I definitely want to yeah. revisit that tonight. Yeah, he had limited time to get on the show tonight. He made his comments, and so I don't think he had any more to add to it. Okay. Well, I definitely want to at least address what's going on. And, uh, and I've got his number, and uh, let him know and, and see if it's okay, uh, Charles, if I contact him. Uh, you know, personally, so we yep. can uh, go over some things, maybe get him back on uh, for some updates uh, on uh, what's happened. And so see if, uh, if it's okay for me to do that. And then send me an no, email on no, doing contact that. Him, contact him directly. Okay, great. I'll do that. Uh, so go ahead. Back to you, Chad. Moses. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Uh, very good, guys. Okay, so Daniel Chapter 2. I just wanted to kind of read this little part to you. There's a lot of parts we can go into. Now, the, the people out there who do not believe in the Bible, uh, my message to you is I can't do anything about that for you. Uh, neither can any preacher, neither can any Christian. You have to come in faith to believe in the knowledge of Jesus Christ through repentance and faith. Okay, so if you don't believe that the Bible is true, I would encourage you to weigh the evidence. The Bible cannot be just read from beginning to end, and, and then you say, oh, well, I guess it's not true. Listen, the Bible is a supernatural book. It is comprised of 66 books and 40 authors with a woven theme through it, and 30% of it is prophecy. So you can't just go through Genesis and Revelation and say, well, I've got the whole story here. It is a mixture of stories to tell us, to give us information about who we are, who God is, and what he plans to do. Uh, so here in Daniel chapter 2, you know, it's kind of an interesting little story. Those who know about Daniel's story, I'll just kind of sum it up for you. So here uh, is the exile, or not the exile, but rather the uh, captivity, marching to Babylon. Uh, Judah, as you know, is the kingdom of the south, uh, right around 500 B.C., marched into Babylon because God punished the Jews for being disobedient. The northern kingdom was just flat out wiped out and spread all over the place. So northern tribes were gone. But the southern kingdom is where Daniel comes from. And if anybody doesn't know who Daniel is, Daniel was is one of our major prophets in the Bible. He is responsible for writing the book of Daniel, and it is probably one of the most profound biblical uh, prophetic visions that God has ever delivered to any man. And the reason for that is because we are still waiting in joyful hope for this particular, uh, uh, these particular pro- prophet, uh, prophecies to come to pass. One of the first things that God does is he allows Daniel to inter- interpret a dream. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was this king of Babylon, and he was troubled. 
And he sees a vision of this giant-sized statue. It had the head of gold, the chest of silver, the belly and the thighs of brass, the legs of iron, and the feet are, and the tentacles are mixed with clay and iron. Now, I'm going to give you a fast explanation. <laughs> In about five minutes, you're going to get a very fast biblical lesson. What Daniel interprets his dream as is fascinating because it marches down the course of history of what we see today. You mean from the Babylonians to the Romans? I'm not trying to be rude. It just kind of uh, shortened it and summarized Uh it quickly because Robert's got others. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. It's so hard. It's hard. Yes. Okay, right. so the Babylonians and then the Medes and Persians and then the Greeks and then came the Romans. Yes, you got the Greeks. Now, here's where it gets fascinating. When you get to the iron legs, the iron represents whom? Do you guys know? Well, we're told the Romans. Rome. It is Rome. And it, actually, what's interesting there is Rome is known and started the uh, perfection of marching. They also have made very good paved roads. They are one of the strongest armies in history. Very strong, very much a dictator. They are very, very much the iron legs. Uh, We know that through the course of history. We see that going down because if you look at history in general, not just physical history, we do see Babylon, we do see the Persians, we do see the Greeks, then we see Rome. Now, why is this significant? Well, the two legs is interesting because... You guys know Rome was divided into two parts, right? You've got a Western and Eastern Rome. Did you guys all know that? I'm sure you did. Yes, okay. Well, when you get down to the feet, the feet is mixed in with clay. So there's a verse in Jeremiah that says the clay is the people. Now, I'm going based on some of my presuppositions that clay represents something weak, and clay represents people. What government form do we see formed later in life that represents clay? Well, we can say democracy. We can see Islam. Okay? But it's interesting because in Daniel's dream, it's mixed in with the iron. So what I'm seeing here in these passages is I'm seeing the movement of history where we are now at the feet ready to go into these toes. And if you've studied Daniel 3, Daniel 7, Daniel 9, Revelation 6, you'll know that the ten toes represents ten nations. And if you go to the beast in Daniel, you'll see that the horn, there's ten horns, and upcoming through the middle of these ten horns is a little horn, right? We call him the Antichrist. Well, we get a better picture of this in Daniel 9 and Revelation 6, where we do indeed see a very interesting movement going on where one world monetary system is being developed. We see a one world, uh, not only government, but religious system established. We've seen the Pope today, who, by the way, is a Jesuit Pope, and he is the last Pope of a 900-year-old prophecy. If anybody is a Tom Horn fan out there, they'll know that. Uh, but he is also very interesting because right now the Pope is, is uh, promoting World, not only world peace, but this idea of uh, environmentalism and unity of the world's economic system. And when he, comes to the, when he comes to the UN in September, 
he's going to talk about those things, but it's also during, during a very important time for the Jews. So I see, I'm, I'm, look, this is not all I want to talk about, but for the sake of time, I'm trying to throw it all out there. Are you guys all aware of everything that's going on lines up of biblical prophecy, or would you say that you have a problem with it? Well, let me throw out something real quick out of Revelation 6. Black horse. Okay. Uh, sure. It says a quarter wheat for a day's labor. That is inflation. It's been mislabeled as famine. Famine comes in the next horse. Right. So then you go down the road, and basically um, no one can buy, sell, or trade unless you have the mark. Yep. Well, the only way you can cause the mark is an economic collapse. Right. Where in the, in the IMF is now... This fall, they're going to entertain the idea of electronic currency worldwide. So you have to create massive inflation. Every country that's had inflationary problems had a regime change over history. Right. I mean, just the last 200 years. But quarter wheat for day's labor is inflation. And because the writer is carrying scale, which indicates barter or monetary exchange. So then, right. you know, to get the, to get the, marks of the beast, it would be through economics. It's really stunning where it's laid out right there, and we're heading yeah, that way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and also, too, it's interesting because it seems like the Pope is using this environmentalism approach to bringing the world in some sort of unity as an excuse to also talk about economic things, okay? It's just like the, uh, you know, the, the what is that, uh, the stones there, Oh, my goodness, what the heck is wrong with me? Uh, the Georgia Guidestones. The Georgia Guidestones, I'm sure you guys talk about it on your show, says to make room for nature because we're a cancer on the earth. Uh, let's not be a cancer. Let's reduce the population down. Let us make room. Well, that's, a, that's, that's almost the words of what the Pope is saying now. He is, he is trying to bring unity, acceptance, peace, but he's using this idea of environmentalism and economic, uh, economic issues to sort of usher in the idea that we need to unite together on that. I think that's a big key. I think what the Pope is doing right now and what he plans on doing in September during the Blood Red Moon, by the way, those following the Tetrad. Do you guys, are you guys familiar with the Tetrad at all? Yeah, not, not so much, I guess, since there's a lot of science here. <laughs> well, Okay, you guys, you, got, you really don't know what's going on with the Tetris? Well, I, I, I do. Yeah, the blood moon is fascinating. I'm like, hmm, this is really interesting. It's not something I'm, yeah. you know, putting all my heart, soul, and hope on, but it's very interesting. Yeah, well, did you know that the Pope is ready to speak to the U.N. Congress and to, in Philadelphia the same week they're having a super blood red moon? Now, those out there scratching their heads wondering what this blood red moon is all about, you're about to experience one in September. Uh, it's going to be right on Sukkot, which is uh, the tabernacle, the piece of tabernacle that the Jews celebrate. And it is going to be a super moon. I'm talking about 35% larger than a normal full moon, and it is going to be bright red. And that's because the sunbeams are beaming around that moon because of a, of a lunar eclipse. It is going to be quite fascinating to see, but it is also during the time when the Pope will be there and by the way, uh, the blood red, those who don't know, this is a fourth moon, a fourth moon, this is the fourth moon of a tetrad that NASA calls a tetrad, 
which is four full lunar eclipses back-to-back without any breaks in between. So in other words, we didn't get any partial lunar eclipses in between. We saw a lot of uh, solar eclipses, partial solar eclipses, but not lunar eclipses. So that's a fascinating little discovery, but also that they all fall on Jewish feast days. Uh, 2014, there were two. We had one on Passover and we had one on Sukkot. And then we had another two uh, coming up. We had one back in April for Passover. And now we have another one that's falling on the same day as Sukkot. So you had Passover, Sukkot, Passover, Sukkot, blood red moon coming. It's going to be a super moon over Jerusalem. Pope Francis is going to be speaking to the U.N. that very same week. Now, I'm not going to be dogmatic about it. I'm not going to say that that means that the end times are coming necessarily. There are other signs to look for. For instance, there's a biblical, uh, there's biblical evidence to look at as far as what Israel is going to do. Pay attention to the temple. That is going to be real big. And those who follow in the news right now know that Israel wants to build a temple. Well, if they build that third temple, that is going to be where the Antichrist sits. So anytime you hear anything about the temple, that's something to look for. The other thing to look for is a peace covenant. Now, I think it's fascinating, and I don't know if you post it, if you heard this, but when the Pope visits the U.N., he's going to have the largest audience per king and president of any point of uh, any Pope speaking at the U.N. I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, what's interesting is that when you talk about Daniel's covenant, it's a covenant signed with many. It'll be a peace covenant for seven years, giving Israel what they want, giving the world what they want, but there is going to be some disruptions in between to allow this Antichrist to show his true glory. And for the first three and a half years of this covenant, he is going to look like a king. He's going to, people are going to love him. People are going to bow to him. They're going to worship him. They're going to follow after him. He's going to be able to show signs. That's because Satan will be incarnated in flesh. But for the last three and a half years, he will turn his back on the world and you will see the biggest massacre anywhere in a point in history, including Christians and Jews. Now, my position, eschatologically, is a pre-trib view. I believe that the church, those who are truly born again, will be raptured out before the Antichrist sets up the seven-year period, known as Jacob's trouble or tribulation. Uh, that's very important, because if anybody out there doesn't know what the tribulation is, it just think it is Jacob's trouble. It is the time where God is going to cast judgment on Israel. And they will look at the end of that seven years, they will look on him whom they pierced. This is all about God's redempting Israel to himself as he originally wanted to happen. So this is all about God redeeming. This is about judgment. This is about new heaven, new earth. This is about Antichrist. We are heading in that time right now. There's no doubt about it. Ooh, Charles, do you want to go ahead and chime in on some of that? Um, me or yeah, from, you know, I, and I guess i got to go back and explain to him. I'm not necessarily a preacher, although I'm a pastor, and I do have a master's in theology, and I have a doctorate degree in education. I'm running for U.S. Senate. And the United States is not a democracy. We're actually a republic and a federalism. The forefathers intentionally set us up as a republic and a uh, federalism 
because under a democracy we would have uh, became a socialist nation, and they were well aware of the issues that faced us under a democracy. And many Americans tend to believe that we are a democracy, and of course they're not reading the U.S. Constitution. As far as prophecy is concerned, you know we can use theological bases. And that he is correct in his comments, there's one unfortunate error there that no one can predict the end times or what the actual end times are. And I think biblically it states that very clearly that when oh, that oh, hold on. comes, hold on, man. it is not no yeah, one but I, I never said Hold that. on. Go ahead, Charles. We don't want to... Chad, we don't interrupt. The, the one I like to, I don't want people interrupting here. So let's go. Okay. Go yeah, ahead and uh, let. I wanted, uh, I wanted to end it there. I want to make sure. Hey, Charles. Hold on. Let 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 let. Here here's yeah, how it works just, here, Chad. Wanna, is uh, we'll I go ahead and let go Charles. Back. We'll let, go ahead and let Charles finish, and then we'll bring you back over. Go ahead, Charles. I I just want to go back to our original opening that Chad made, where I said that the Pope meeting with the United Nations is heading us toward the one world view and the original uh, viewpoint of the conversation was Cuba, the Catholic Church, the Pope, and Rubio. The fact that the Federal Reserves are owned by the Jesuits, the fact that the Jesuits and the Pope and that group of individuals are taking us down this path and everything that Chad said has validity. And I'm not saying it doesn't have validity, just based on my own writings. I have two websites. One is I teach theology under Christ Found All Creation Saved, CFACS.com, where I have my church and my master's degree under. And then I have the other one, which is where I teach Common Core, the United States Constitution, uh, where I teach the pros and cons of the government. So... There is not one aspect. I think our entire problem is that the wealth of our political leaders, the fact that the Federal Reserves are really owned by the Jesuits and were set up by the Jesuits, and that the church is wanting, and I'm going to call the church not us for this moment because I believe we are the church and that the others are the assembly, the Pope's intent as he's going to be doing in the meeting that's coming up. And, of course, the mentioning of the moon and the fact of Jesus' crucifixion and the skies were darkened and all these things take place at specific times, which are biblical foundations. And history has always proven that it repeats itself unless we do something. So it's good to know what prophets say and what the seers say. Uh, under the terminology what I am, I'm not a pastor per se. I'm an apostle, so I'm from a five-fold ministry. I'm a born-again Christian uh, who has learned the hard way, so I'm not in disagreement with Chad. I just want to make sure we clarify that this is about, is America going to defend itself as each individual stands up with its belief in God and our responsibility to to protect our Jewish uh, brothers. So I'll leave it there. We'll go ahead and back uh, to you, Chad, but I'm going to just make this little uh, comment here is that, of course, you know, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago, uh, 
both mathematics and astrology, or astronomy as you would, uh, was also very prevalent. Uh, I think one of the things that we don't give uh, the people of ancient times credit for, at least when it comes to the sciences, is that we don't give them enough credit when it comes to their calculations. And my, one of my contentions, or a contention that I uh, will put forth, maybe not particularly my contention, but uh, one that I'll put uh, in here is kind of a balance, is that as the astronomers, astrologers, uh, mathematicians back in those times, of course, could very well, when they were creating these holidays, could have very well calculated out where these lunar eclipses could have happened or would happen, and thus base their holidays on that. So let's go ahead and bring that back uh, to you, Chad. Go ahead. Yep, I'm here. Sorry about that. I put myself on mute. Um, okay. That's okay. Right. Well, uh, well, look, there's there's a couple of objections there that I, because of, of time, we're not going to be able to get into. But I would, uh, with the first gentleman there, uh, I appreciate that. I don't agree with you on some biblical uh, uh, some biblical presuppositions you have, but uh, nonetheless, I think it's important that people start understanding where they need to turn to. Okay, I don't, you're right, I don't know when the end, and I think I said that, which is a misrepresentative, represent, misrepresentation on your end. I never said that I, under, I knew when the end times was happening uh, as far as days concerned. We could certainly see the signs, and that's what Jesus says. He actually says, you, aren't you guys so ignorant that you can't even be discerning of the times? Look, he's given us an opportunity to read his supernatural word. To, to be uh, discerning over these particular signs. It doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. In fact, it can happen another 100 years from now. I don't know. But the signs are certainly there. And then as far as the moons are concerned, look, there's not much to defend. These are biblical, interesting signs. And if you actually, if you read Genesis 1, it says something very interesting there. It said that when God created the sun, moon, and the stars, he said it, he made it for, the, for signs and for seasons. Now, the word for signs actually in Hebrew uh, means signals. And then seasons is not like summer, spring, winter, and fall. What it is is uh, seasons would be appointed times. So if you were to look at that verse again, I think it's Genesis 126 or 114, I think it is actually. Genesis 114, you could read it this way. He hung the lights in the heavens, the sun, moon, and the stars would be given to us as a signal at an appointed time. So I believe that he has made the sun, moon, and the stars, not so that science can look at it and sort of guess what's going to happen. I, I don't think God does that. I think he has created these things so that we can look at it and be in awe of God. This is really about repentance and faith in him. So I, look, guys, this is a longer conversation this isn't about, uh, I, I would love to get into it with you, but unfortunately, uh, this is such a bigger conversation that we can have maybe another time if you'd have me on. Well, no, uh, the audience wouldn't uh, mind that. I wouldn't either. Actually, I don't have a degree or anything in uh, theology. I uh, pretty much minored in theology and philosophy in college. I was a political science major, uh, and I actually... I uh, did minor in uh, 
peace studies and environmental studies, uh, but pretty much I'm a graduate with uh, two other minors in theology and philosophy. So always been sure. uh, fascinating. I was on the other end of the fence, so to speak, at one point in my life. You know, changed over in an opposite direction is what a lot of folks do, I guess you could say. And that could be a conversation for another uh, another time. Uh, sure. Well, you got my phone number there. Go ahead. Yeah, you got well. You got my phone number there. I was gonna, and and by the way, it sounds like we're talking over each other because I think that we're on a delay. So when I think you're all done speaking, I start to speak and you're speaking again. So I apologize <laughs> if it's like a, as, if it seems like we're talking over each other. Um, okay, I tell you what. Um, why don't you, why don't you uh, take my phone number down because once I hang up, it's gonna disappear. I just did. Okay, great, and just. Why don't if your audience is interested in biblical eschatology, then we shall get into it. That'll be fun. Yeah, definitely. Well, I've got the number here, and uh, Chad, and we'll uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk on that. Okay, give me and a call. Kelly, instead of being a, a one hour, uh, Kelly, instead of it being a, a one hour, what do you call it? I can't, you say it so many times, I can't believe I uh, don't remember. What do you call it, Kelly? I call it the Bar's Logic Gospel Hour. There you go. That's <laughs> it. That's it. So, uh, amen. Yeah, no, maybe, maybe you know, we can make a, a whole show. It would be something fascinating, uh, you know, fascinating for myself. And uh, you know, one thing I like, you know, would like to do is perhaps we could schedule it where we can have, uh, you know, someone who is, you know, more directed in another direction. It'd be nice to have an interesting uh, discussion, perhaps even debate. Uh, at that time, so uh, if that's something you'd be enjoy as well, Chad, let's uh, maybe that's work on uh, having yeah, that happen. It's going to be a very interesting show. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on, and I hope that you have a great night. And uh, if anybody, and by the way, you feel free to hand my number out to anybody who's interested in hearing more about the things of God. I'm a minister. I am somebody who enjoys talking to people and challenging them on the things of God, too. So feel free to give that number away, all right? All right. Well, in that token, uh, all the shows, Chad, are archived. Uh, so the way to share the tonight's show, the archive of the podcast, is by sharing the link along with folks uh, so they can listen in as well. So by the same token, um, definitely look to share the, the link for tonight's show. Wonderful. Thank you so much, guys, and I hope you have a great day. You too, uh, Chad. Take care. It's uh, good having you on. Right, very interesting uh, right, thanks, uh, breaking up and having that conversation, folks. We look forward to uh, perhaps having that uh, show uh, with Chad and, you know, maybe someone else with uh, another view on that. Uh, someone that probably have to say more knowledgeable uh, than I. Uh, so, well, it'll be interesting to have him on. So let's go ahead and uh, bring you back into uh, things, Kelly. And I do see that we do have about 25 minutes left of the live portion of the show. And uh, we probably will go into at least part of the uh, extended period tonight's show. Uh, I know that the topic is controversial uh, for a lot of our conservative uh, loving folks. And, of course, a lot of our conservative folks are Catholics, Christians, things of that nature. Uh, So us even putting any kind of questioning of any connection between uh, what we're discussing tonight uh, and the Catholic Church might be uh, distasteful for them. But what uh, one of the things Bard's logic is uh, known for is getting information out to the folks that otherwise 
they may not uh, hear. And also, we do here on the show, and, and you know this, Kelly, been with us pretty much from the beginning, is to don't take our word for it. Go ahead and do the research uh, for yourself. Uh, and that's one of the things we do uh, promote for folks. And, of course, they'll just listen, but be an active participate uh, participant and uh, everything we discuss here. So let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Kelly. And uh, Charles will bring it back in, and we'll continue uh, in with tonight's topic. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, thank you. I, I want to talk a little bit about the Federal Reserve. It's not federal. There is no reserve. There's, it's hard for people to believe that a supposed government institution isn't a government institution. So one challenge I tell people is, well, you know, when I introduce this, I say, I take a $100 bill out and slap it down on the table right next to that $100 bill. I slap down a phone book, regular phone book. I said, this $100 is yours. If you can show me the phone number, the government phone number in the blue section of the phone book of the Federal Reserve. The stunning thing happens here is they're like, they look at me like, are you one of those conspiracy theory people? And yet, there's a hundred dollar bill. There's a phone book. Easy thing to do. Hundred bucks is yours. They start looking. They can't find it. Said so it's not in here. Yeah, it's not federal. No more federal than Federal Express. And then I explain a few things, and I, I watch carefully, very carefully, how much they can take and how much um, a, a, a physical paradigm shift expressed on their face because some people are like, oh my gosh you mean we've been lied to yeah so you got this private corporation printing our currency how much power would they have can they buy congressmen can they buy the media can they do this can they do this what's the most profitable business of all time it's called printing the, printing the money and um, when you can print money I mean you know, you're, it's insane so you have enormous control by printing the money so that is a simple way to introduce to people something is really wrong with this country. We used to have a gold standard. Prices didn't change. Price loaf, uh, loaf of bread in 1901 was like 12 cents. 1920, 12 cents. Great Depression, maybe 13. 1940, 12 cents. You know, 50s, 12 cents. We don't have the gold standard. We have this inflation. Now, the things Charles is talking about, I just explained a simple method to understand this. Then you can go on the web and research Federal Reserve. Edward Griffin, okay, you can find this stuff out. It's, it's point blank frightening. It's the underpinning of our country. Now, undermining, I should say. Now, the things Charles is talking about, deeper things, the Reserve, the Jesuits, the Jeb Bush, the Obama connection, the, you know, yada, 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 all these things, takes an enormous amount of research. And I've ran into so many people that have run uh, the research and confirmed a lot of things he's saying. I, I've confirmed some things, but not to the depth that Charles has. It's hard to believe it that there are evil people trying to control our country. Well, we see that in Washington, D.C. every day. But, you know, that's kind of on-the-face politics. But with some of this deeper stuff, background, controversial, it does take a lot of research. But the most important thing that it takes is a heart that's willing to believe that such evil even exists. And that's why I watch people's face to see if they're changing, if they start asking me questions. 
because if their heart isn't willing to accept such evil exists, I drop it. I drop it like a rock. You know, we talk about sports, the weather, whatever, anything else, we change the subject. But they come back to me on some simple basics with a $100 bill and a phone book. So this is, I'm kind of introducing that in a sense to let Charles talk quite a bit more because when I had my awakening, is what I call it, you know, studying the Constitution, something's wrong. I had an awakening, read about the Federal Reserve, blah, 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 all this stuff. I had a hard time digesting this. Very difficult time. But it explained to me why the Republican and Democrat political models don't work. Do you want me to explain to you why they don't work or why they work in behalf of the Pope? If you say, was that a question or a? No, I, I mean because I I can go back. He wants to respond that, to you. You know, in the eighteen in the eighteen thirties, we didn't have federal reserves, and in nineteen ten, there was a group of individuals on the Titanic that drowned. I can talk about the fact that the Morgans, Rothschild, and the Rockefellers were part of the Jesuits' uh, organization. And I can go into the fact that the political parties, in, in order to build one, you need a half a billion dollars, and that the, the political parties are based on wealth, uh, not in the best interest of the Americans. Uh, so the structure of a political party was not supposed to be a political party. It was supposed to be an American running for a office. And they found out that the only way that you can get that person in the power to protect your wealth is you had to form a cooperation. Now, when mm -hmm. it was discussed earlier, the 10 square miles of Washington, D.C., which was put up for auction or bonded after the Civil War, and a bank in England ends up, uh, a bank in England ends up buying it, which was part of the Jesuits and 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 the Rockefellers and 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 Rothschilds actually sponsored the buying of it and incorporating it. We do not own that ten square miles anymore. It it no longer belongs. When the governors and do not hold their own standard under a federalism and stand up against and do not allow uh, the federal. Uh, military and or the president's armies to invade us by their persuasion if you don't use common core uh, which is a socialist movement to a one uh, educational system for the world uh, we're not going to put money into your your system you have to ask yourself and the newest article i'm working on is called the antitrust violation where the Libertarians, the Republicans, and the Democrats have the same exact intent, which is to take us to a world power and to overthrow the American people, which we are supposed to be the electors. When you get into the Constitution, it says we have a right to vote in every election as primaries, and yet in the state of Florida, uh, primaries are restricted to Democrats and Republicans running. Uh, there is mm -hmm. no justification for political parties in America. And unfortunately, uh, 
as a non-party uh, affiliated, which I'm currently registered in the state of Florida for Senate, I am finding that even though we have 62% of Americans that are Christian, 62% are no party affiliated people in America, that your money is going to come from big businesses, which have world influence that want to destroy the home and family. And so your political parties are here to destroy who you are and what you are. Now, as far as theology is concerned, I don't debate theology. I'm pretty good at it, but I don't debate it. I ask everybody one question. It's John 21. Who did you help? Who did you feed? And who did you take care of? It is not the federal or the state responsibility to take care of you. It belongs to your neighbor. And that is the extent of theology. And although I teach it, and I'm pretty well aware of everything that was said tonight, and I could debate it all night long. I don't debate it. I'm going to stick with John 21. Yeah, with that, um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have, uh, you know, at least look to have uh, a debate on that. I think that would uh, be a fascinating uh, show. And so, uh, you know, I'll probably have someone come on uh, to debate that. I just, you know, one, one of my thinking is that, well, you know, you can make uh, self-fulfilling prophecies, you know, by just doing things that abide by what uh, the prophecies uh, spell out. So I, I personally don't think if you have the, the money and power you don't have, it's not it's not going to be that hard to do uh, in order to do that, to find some kind of uh, justification for it or just, uh, you know, make those things happen. And as I said, a, a self-fulfilling prophecy just with, working towards making it happen. I think they could be consciously done without any type of, uh, you know, otherworldly, let's just say, uh, influences doing that. But, you know, we'll, it'll be interesting. We can uh, talk more about that when we get to uh, have that show, hopefully. At least that's, as I said, that's my mode of thinking. But, uh, you know, I'm not a scholar when it comes to theology. So I've, I've minored in it. So it's definitely something that's always uh, been an interest of mine. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to have more people with uh, more knowledge on both sides to uh, discuss it later. Well, so, hey, now, what about one person question. that we didn't? What, what one person that you know we have uh, we haven't talked really a lot about tonight? And I like to bring this uh, over to you, James. Is when we talk about the connection, let's talk more about the Obama connection and, and how's uh, he there now. When it, anyone here, and you know, a lot of the folks in the audience would agree, is that uh, when it comes to at least, uh, if not Catholicism, Christianity, it doesn't seem like Obama is uh, probably the one of the most friendly. Some would say he's more uh, or sympathetic, I should say, to the Islamic religion than I would say Christianity. So what about the, the link between what uh, Obama wants to do and, uh, you know, the, the Catholic Church kind of uh, leading the way, uh, or at least putting uh, them together with the people in Cuba. What, what about the Obama link? But you, you got to look at the fact that Obama was raised and schooled in a, uh Islamic uh, background in Kenya, and that he spent his entire time doing that, and a lot of people miss that factor, that his relationship, and even Hillary Clinton's relationship, and the fact that she had several of her members of her staff 
there were mother uh, Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, this lady who had access, they just arrested another person uh, that was Muslim uh, in her background. So the White House today has a large uh, number of Muslims are now working. And, of course, then you, the president has fired major generals and staff members with Christian or other viewpoints that went against his. He's downgraded the United States military and, and upgraded the um, homeland security. You look at Hitler and how communism, uh, or socialism, I should say, in Germany. Mark, they hate communists. Go ahead. All of this is tied together. Uh, it's just kind of like in 2016 in November, will we have... Iran and Israel at battle with each other. Will we have ISIS in the United States causing conflicts? Will this create a scenario whereas Obama will not be put out of office in the November as per the term limit because of emergencies that are going to be facilitated by actions that he's taken today? And then you you kind of got to just look at the whole picture, you know. Uh, the Catholic calls Obama and says, come down and sit with me. And, you know, they sit down together. We know that Hitler and the Catholic Church were very closely related. We know that all the gold taken from the Jewish people were put in the Catholic Church. We know that all this historical data that relates, that has no religious foundation has no belief in 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 Bible standards or theological standards. It's man's desire to hold wealth, and wealth is the power. And power. And when yeah, and and Washington very clearly said so did Lincoln and so did Jefferson. Who controls the money controls the people. We have allowed social welfare, food stamps, many other things. Obama's plan to let the first two years of, of school be paid for by the federal government. The other things that are being done is to get individuals on a welfare program that you no longer think about your right to work or your rights of freedom. Now, the only way that's going to change is when the American people get together, rally as one nation, Go to Washington, D.C. Now we're going to get into theology. Circle it seven times. Six times say nothing. On the seventh time, scream hallelujah and watch the walls of Jericho fall. You know, until we do that, we're not going to win in America. It's going to take a person, and believe it or not, a person will do this because we have seen this history of biblical standards where one individual stands up and unites. Now, my assignment is to bring God back to America, whether that happens in my time or whether or not it happens in somebody else's time. The fact remains that without God as part of the standards of America, without supporting the Jewish people, without knowing for sure what Christianity really is, without knowing that church and buildings are worshiping false gods, that we, the people of the United States, must fight against 
becoming a one-world power. We've got to bring the gold standard back. We need to close the Federal Reserves. We need to get rid of the IRS. And this goes on and on and on. Go ahead. What would you, Charles? What would you say to the folks who, it's you know, who believe in you know the end times, the prophecies, and things of that nature? And here we go again, right, Kelly? Um, but what do you say to the folks who, who believe that you know these things are inevitable? So if this is you know prophecy, this is inevitable. If this is what's going to happen, this was God's plan. So what if we're fighting against? Uh, a one-world government, which is inside, which, which is part of God's plan to bring the end times and the antichrist and things of that nature. If that's something that's already been preordained, you know, by God, then if we are fighting against it, isn't by default you're fighting against God's plan? Wouldn't you say that to somebody? Wouldn't somebody uh, point that out? Well, let's let's think about that. Can I try to answer that one? Go ahead. Well, there's something fundamentally stunning I realized one day <clears throat> was the way, I know this is, you know, again, faith-based. Um, Adam and Eve were created and God gave them a charge. This is before the fall, you know, the, through the knowledge of good and evil. All right, they were given a charge, rule over. Now, after the fall, that charge still existed, rule over the earth. God's plan was that uh, mankind love each other. Uh, have a purpose in taking care of creation. It'd be fulfilled, but they lost that connection with God. But the charge still existed to rule the earth. Now, when evil men control the earth to such an extent that forever evil men will rule and control the earth, I believe that's when God's got to step in. Because of the charge given Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve finally blew it, infinite oppression. That's when God has to step in, which would be, of course, Christ returning to earth. It's, it's fundamental. So the, based on that, can I tell you when Christ is coming back? No, I can't. But to answer your question, Robert, of you know, it's all preordained anyway, it's more like God, um, God created free will. Love always offers a choice. Man took the choice of eating the forbidden fruit. And because of that, we have this big mess. God has to let things play out because he has to respect He has to respect the liberty he has given us. He has to let things play out. But the other factor in this is that God always warns his people. He always warns his people what's coming. Um, like God's saying, look, here's the mess you created. I know what's going to happen. Well, I'm going to warn you so you can be prepared, but I'm still giving you liberty to let this whole scenario play out. It's not his, it was never his plan from the beginning. It was kind of a backup plan to respect volition. But, uh, what, but what's, uh, what's, uh, once again, it circles, it circles back. It's like he is, well, I already know how it's going to play out. Where is, if, he, if he already knows how it's going to play out, how is there liberty? Well, let's take let's take and just stop a second. How do we know what played out means? You know, we're making an assumption there will be a destruction and everybody will be lifted. What if it is about body filled with the Holy Spirit and everybody becomes unity of working together for the good of the earth and not necessarily under one national power? 
what if that the end times was the thousand years that you've already been through and they were now moving to the point of a spirit discernment that we become full of the Holy Spirit and God places his hand, hurts all mankind, and what he states biblically, that we all have one like mind under Christ. So there is a great misinterpretation from all sides to include my own because none of us are given the full absolute discernment or understanding. What we do is we go against Apostle Paul's teaching, which says never read the Bible by its words, but read it only by discernment. So if we were to discern God's grace and God's power and God's glory, we have to understand that when we talk about the Antichrist, which they said Hitler was the Antichrist, they say Obama is the Antichrist, they say Stalin was the Antichrist, and everybody wants to pick a name and and, and pick a opportunity. Uh, there are biblical scholars who will tell you the book of Revelations should have been in the four Gospels because it happened during the time of the Old Testament, because we have to know that the four Gospels were not part of the New Testament because Christ was still here. So there's such a theological argument of discernment and what each person might say, it's the same as the Constitution. People say that the Constitution must have said, or they say Apostle Paul must have said, but nobody has the proper discernment. So we could argue the theological basis of Daniel or any of the other scholars. We could argue the basis of, of what the end time consists of. We can argue about whether Revelations has been completed or not completed or where it belongs in the Bible. And all of us would have a different opinion based on our own mindset but that doesn't make any of us right. And that's one of the things the Bible tells us, that under God's grace and his love now for us, that we are not going to have to worry about the things that they had to worry about in the Old Testament, that we have been given a greater glory. And God does call us, the new generation of people, to go out and continue. They thought the end times was under Moses moving the 600,000 Jewish people. They thought the end times mm -hmm. were when the Christians were all being killed by Apostle Paul. We can go biblically, 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 all the way through the Bible and theology, what end times were. We've seen churches stand up and get on television and say the end times is tomorrow, and tomorrow never happened. So my, <laughs> right. answer, you know, my answer to you is your end time is when... You are full of the Holy Spirit. Your grace and glory is your belief in God. When you thank him and you say hallelujah and amen, that is well, the end of all the evil around you. Well, let, let, let me ask Todd, our, our guest here a question because it answers. it may answer the question you had, Robert, which is if God has already laid out a plan, then there's nothing we can do about it. Now, there's I've had nice discussions with uh, philosophically-minded people, and I always find it challenging, and I, I love intelligent conversation. And so, I, yeah, I've, I've been hit with this question before. You know, if God already has a plan. It's all going to play out. There's nothing we can do. And I guess we should hang up the phone and 
go watch TV. I don't know. But um, <laughs> let me ask. Yeah, let me ask Charles. It's Charles, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, let me ask you this question. Okay, there's, there's multiple choice. Does God always get what He wants? Yes, no, or yes and no. God always gets what he wants, but it's defined that we don't understand how he got there. Well, I I believe, I have to interject my faith here, I believe it's the correct answer to see yes and no. Yes, he has an ultimate will and a purpose, and he's totally in control of all this stuff. However, he has given us freedom and liberty. Freedom is woven into every fiber of creation as a signature of his love. He would want me to do something, and I don't. So he didn't get what he wanted, but yet he did get what he wanted in that he honors the liberty he has given me. So yes and no. Now, I say that to set up an explanation about what happened in the fall at the Garden of Eden. Adam was there, Eve was there, and then one day... Eve said, Adam, do you really love me? And Adam said, who else? Um, <laughs> joking. All right. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you got Adam and Eve before the fall. Everything was perfect and wonderful. They had direct fellowship with God. They had all their needs met. They loved each other. Life was great. Period. If they wanted to get out of that perfect um, perfection, God would have had to provide a door. Again, love always offers a choice. Here's a door, the, the knowledge of, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. It's the door if you want out of paradise because here's your freedom. So when they took the bite of the forbidden fruit, that was when everything changed God got what he wanted in the sense of honoring their freedom. He did not get what he wanted was for mankind to live in this paradise. So God was bound, if he's loving, he's bound by freedom. And therefore, he had to, if you will, do a backup plan, which of course is Christ to get our hearts connected again with God. But there are things, because of freedom and our choices, he couldn't necessarily control and perfectly plan out. I know that's kind of a a strange thing to say, but he did plan out through a backup plan that way. And yes, ultimately he is still in charge and loving, but he still gives us our choices. Now, we know that Apostle Paul makes a statement that he had no choice, that he was a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we also know there are occasions when certain individuals, where male or female, are not given that same object of choice as the majority. And we go into many are called and few are chosen. So we can go biblically and argue that point. Uh, All night, I know, I know, but these are some basic principles. Hold on, let Charles finish. Yeah, if I had three choices, I'd be fishing right now. I would not be at 73 years old 
get a doctor degree, take care of three ladies, and travel through Florida at 73 years old. So I don't have free choice or free will. I have to be obedient to what I am being given to do. And so the difference of a individual and myself is going to be I don't have free choice, and neither did Apostle Paul, neither did Moses. Moses didn't want to do what he did. David didn't want to do what he did. They did not have free choice. Now, the question is, did Adam, who succumbed to the word of a woman, have free choice when he says to God, well, if you hadn't given me the woman, God, I wouldn't have done this. So it's God's fault for giving him the woman for him to do this. And God already knew the outcome of the problem because if God is omni-whatever and knows everything today, forever, he knows already the end of this subject. But you always have a choice. Yeah, but if he already knows, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If he already, and that's another thing, if he already knows what's going, that's, that's another problem I've always had. I used to drive my mother nuts with all the questions that I would ask when I was a kid. Because she talked about the omniscience of God, and he, he knew everything. And I'd be like, well, wait a minute. How can God know everything you're going to do before you do it and say you have free will? If he knows you're going to do something before you ever do it, or he knew what your life was going to be like before you were even born, how was there a free choice? Now, show me in the Bible where it says you have free will. I would I would defer you to the law. Well, then oh, okay. Well, then let's go back. Okay, let's say if you don't have free will, so if everything I do, not just me, so if everything someone does has been preordained, and we're just pretty much puppets going through the motions, then why would anyone who is just doing what they were constructed to do, because that's the what you know God knew was going to happen, then why would any person anyone go to the, hell or something like that? It's like, wait a minute. I, I mean, you're saying I'm going to this place because I was a bad person, but wait a minute, if I didn't have any choice because what I was going to do was already preordained because you already knew what I was going to do before I was even born, then how can I go there when it be my fault and not yours? I, I'll go back to we have to get into a lot of theology, which we would have great arguments about. But you all, everybody has an assignment. You're, born, you're brought into this earth for an assignment. Whether you like your assignment or not, whether you believe in your <laughs> assignment, whether you have an ordaining to your assignment, whether you're going to complete your assignment, there's a question of all of that, and I could go into a complete contradiction of everybody's theological base with an argument for or against the item. The bottom line is God does not, tell you the reason why he does anything. He does it because he wants to do it. Bottom line, in the subject, God does whatever God wants to do. Man follows the rules that God set for that one individual. We don't understand it. We don't comprehend it. It's uncommunicable, as is everything else that God does. We don't know why he created the heavens and earth. It says in the book of Genesis, God's with an S, which was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, created the heavens and earth. We see the transliteration of the Bible by King James. We see all these words turned around. We see preachers getting up teaching false doctrines. We have no idea why God lets them do that. But God, in his playful way of doing things, 
does the strangest things with us, and we will never comprehend it, or nor will we ever answer your question, and I can only ask you to ask God and see if he can give you the answer, because I can't give it to you. <laughs> well, no, 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 and I, and I, you know, I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's why, you know, I, uh, you know, I, here's what, you know, I mean, I, per, I mean, there has to. I, I feel there, or think, or whatever you want to say, that there's got to be something after this existence because it'd be a completely waste if there isn't. Um, and so I think that I do believe in a creative spirit. Uh, you know, whether you know it, it's an earth goddess or whether it's you know the god of the you know Christian Bible or Catholic or whatever. Um, I you know sometimes I think well maybe this you know. Um, it's not omniscient, omnipotent, uh, you know, spiritual entity uh, was just said. You know what? I'm bored. You know, it could be like I'm <laughs> bored. I've got all this power, and what the heck am I going to do with it? Okay, well, let's make these, you know, this planet and these planets, and put creatures on it, and watch them, and see what they do. And I'm entertained like for thousands and thousands, <laughs> millions of years. You know, I mean, you know, <laughs> so. We're a fishbowl. Um, well, actually, I, I think you know, it goes back to, to Genesis because God warned them of the forbidden fruit. The day you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, they did not die physically. But what did happen is God separated himself from Adam and Eve. Before that, God would visit them in the, in the garden, and they could see God. But after the fall, they could not. We cannot see God now. The die uh, that he was talking about. Well, yeah, actually, actually, but let, let me finish, please, because it's really important. Yeah, the, the die is is go ahead, the go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, the die is that we've lost our spiritual connection with God, and because we've lost our spiritual connection with God, you know, we the whole human race has become unholy, if you will. God is like infinitely perfect, and we're not, no matter how hard we try. You can't tolerate that, but because of Christ um, taking away our sin, we now have a connection, for those that believe, we now have that connection with God that we lost in the garden. And it all goes back now, to free will again. And, and Kelly, i got to ask you this because I don't know, and you don't have to answer this, of course. Uh, now, do you take a strict interpretive test uh, of the Bible? Well, that's not, well, see, that's that's Christ was a stunning communicator, and he constantly told parables so that people would get things through subtleties. And other times, I mean, there's a time to look at the subtleties and the context, and there's other times to take things literally. Well, and the, um, well the reason I ask, Kelly... And the reason I ask, and this is another thing I used to drive my mother nuts with, because she was, in a way, a strict interpretation of the Bible. Um, I used to say, well, you know, if Adam and Eve were the first humans on Earth, and then there are some who contend that they, they truly were, and the world's only 6,000 years old or whatever, I don't believe that. I mean, I think there's too much evidence to suggest that uh, the planet is much more older than that. And then and like uh, human beings, six, seven billion. You know. Yeah, but I can answer the question to that one for you. Well, I, I, I'm ahead, uh, waiting for Robert's okay. question, though. Yeah, okay, Robert's but, question. But, you know, my, question. The question is, right, it's like, 
I mean, with the, the Adam and Eve, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's more, I don't think they actually existed per se. No, I think what Adam and Eve, if they did truly exist, I think if you follow the genealogy of Jesus, I mean, they're in the direct line of the genealogy of, of Jesus, if you follow that. However, do I, you know, now historically that might be accurate, and whether their name was Adam and Eve or not, who knows. Uh, but for them to say that they were the very first, I just don't think it's an, an accurate at all that they were the first human beings uh, on the planet. And I think uh, that, you know, with, with, with the whole original sin is I think that's, you know, humanity's propensity towards greed to have more than what they have. And it just seems like uh, in a lot of ways that's whatever, whether it's power, money, food, whatever, it seems like that's innate in all of our, uh, all of the humans, whether people call that sin or not, I don't know. And maybe it's called sin in order just to control our more basic, uh, our basic desires, such as uh, greed to have more than what we have, regardless of what that, what you know that is. Um, so you know, I guess where I'm going with that is, you know, cause we're, we're talking about you know what happened with Adam and Eve and how sin got brought into the world, so to speak. Uh, that's almost uh, is that from a parable or? You know, I mean, that's how it says sin was brought in. But if the Adam and Eve were, truly weren't the, the first humans who truly brought sin into the world, then how can you, you know, how, how can that be bring accuracy to anything that comes after after that? Can well, I jump in? Well, go ahead, Kelly. It's, it's go ahead, Kelly, and then, yeah. Jay, and then uh, Charles. I don't know why I would keep calling James. Uh, well, go ahead, Kelly, and then Charles. Yeah, for my faith, it's a lot bigger than that. It's getting my heart connected again to Christ. And then I look at the Word all over the place, and it really helps me in so many ways with people, with conversations, with challenges, with forgiving people, whatever, learning how to better communicate so I'm not rude or obnoxious, all sorts of things I learned. But the I don't have any other thing to go on other than the Hebrew nation, by the way, which is a huge historical evidence to my faith. But... I don't have any other references that go beyond people before Adam and Eve. Um, maybe I just haven't done the research, but I haven't really found anything. But the the Hebrew nation, Adam and Eve to Enoch to Noah to Abraham to the 12 tribes, it's historical fact that they were a huge nation. They rivaled uh, their wealth and renown, rivaled the Greeks or the Romans. The God, their God, which is, you know, God interfaced with, the Hebrews who the prophets, can a nation be born again? And can a nation be born in a day? Yet I will do it. That's in Ezekiel, I believe. And then uh, Israel became a state in 1948. No other nation in all of history has had their land, their culture, their religious ceremonies, and their language returned to them as the world conquers other nations and nations rise and fall. It becomes a hodgepodge. It's a melting pot. This is the only nation that's ever been resurrected from the dead with a history going way back it's absolutely stunning historically. And Charles, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just want to bring back to the fact that death of the physical body did not begin until the transition when Adam and Eve took on a physical being. Prior to that, they were a spiritual being walking with God because you can only walk with God in a spiritual Manner, So we don't know how many thousands or tens of thousands or millions of years 
Adam and Eve walked with God prior to the transgression. All we know, there was a creation, and they said in a period, and we don't know if a period was a thousand years or if a period was a million years because there's been no direct translation of what a period for God would be, even though many people try to say a period is like one day of a thousand years. So the fact that death takes place upon the transgression, and then they take on a physical body, and then Adam and Eve live for numerous hundreds of years after that fact, they give birth to where they only mentioned three sons, but there were numerous daughters unmentioned in the Bible because that's the way it was. Metaphors were used in the Bible, as was different speeches, because nobody knew how to read and write. So storytelling was a way they handled this until they came to a point where people were educated enough to understand. So Jesus, in talking to the people, used metaphors in order to explain to the people who had not reached an intelligent level to learn things. So we can go on and and, and find fallacies of of Adam and Eve. We can but no one has ever t- very few people teach the fact that Adam lived many, many, many years prior to the trans transition. We have to remember that eternity of God's eternity there is no beginning or end so if a period has no real time frame we don't know that when god created adam after the time of the days that he brings the water and the land and the flowers and the trees and the animals and then he puts adam out there we do know that god very clearly says no man can walk with him except by spirit So Adam had to be by spirit before he took on the physical body. Now there's the pain of death. Eve becomes impregnated. Let me backtrack. Hold on. While I've got this thought, while while I have this thought, Charles, is that I want to make sure I've got some clear uh, clear in my mind. Uh, So, one, okay, you're saying that uh, Adam... Was okay. Let's, he was around in spiritual form for who knows how long, a, a very long time. Okay, right. and then Adam did not get physical form, and Eve, for that matter, did not get correct. physical form until after the transgression. Is, is that correct? Uh, yeah, because that that's what I'm hearing. Because that's when they number the six thousand plus years okay. is based on the date of Adam's physical. Transgression. That's when the date okay. begins. Well then, okay. Well then, if if they didn't take physical form until the transgression, which means Eve would have already been created, correct? But it, she was created many. She was created many years after Adam. If you can number years no, in God's correct. time. Correct. But it wasn't until the transgression. That they, that they took a physical, physical form, form and recognized, and that's when they recognized nakedness. <laughs> Remember, they didn't even know they were naked or had a physical body and didn't try to cover themselves until after the transgression. 
So now wow. you can, okay. you can so, make the so assumption. So how did, so wait a minute, but l- let me finish my, I, well, I, I got that clear, but that's why, why I wanted some clarification, because uh, at least according to what's said in the Bible is that a rib was taken from Adam to create Eve. But if Eve was a spiritual being, right, before, you know, until the transgression, she was already created in a physical form before the transgression because she was taken from a rib from Adam and created from his flesh. It says in the Bible, she was created from his flesh. So that means she had to have existed in a flesh form before the transgression. Well, or, is actually, that another, or is that another metaphor? It could have been a metaphor. Let me, let me, uh, I, I've got some inside information on this uh, rib thing. And and by the way, if you you know Adam was created first, he's alone. He's naming all these animals. And by the way, think about all the species on the earth. That would have taken years and years, and maybe a decade or two or three, or it hundreds of thousands, or could have taken hundreds of thousands to name all the animals and critters and the bugs and blah blah blah. Okay, so and of course he would talk with God every day, and everything was cool. Well, one day God Adam says to Eve, he says, Hey, you know. I see the rhinoceros hasn't made, I see the giraffe hasn't made, I have I see the elephant hasn't made, you know, hey, I'm a little lonely here. What's what's the deal? And he says, Oh, Adam, I got the most awesome woman you'll ever, ever meet. This is a wonderful woman. She, but it's gonna cost you an arm or a leg. So then Adam said, Well, what can I get for a rib? <laughs> yeah. I heard that. Or I've heard those sort of like how did uh, you know the females get named? Because well, when Adam seen he said, "Whoa, man!" And that's how you get women. <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah. Well, I I've never heard this perspective before. I've never heard this before. Yeah, and where that, and that's what, yeah, they and that's they were spirits, and then when they yeah. fell, they had physical bodies. I've never heard this. This is interesting. I'm not saying well, I agree with you. I'm like, it, hmm. when, when you think about it, they they started counting Adam's. What did he live? Nine hundred and some years. After the fall, after the fall. Well, so, well I mean, we, we have no mention how old he was before the fall. He could have been a millennium. He could have been ten millennium. We don't know. But they well, didn't but, start but, beginning. But, but they back to the point, well, and, and, and back to the point where it states, you know, well, you know, you could say, well, they're a metaphor or a parable or whatever. I mean, it states clearly that you know. She is the flesh of your flesh, you know. I mean, it states that. So now, if he was created from the spirit, it'd be like she was the spirit of your spirit. But it doesn't say that. Oh, well, he does say she, flesh she is of my the flesh, flesh of your flesh. Of my bones. Yeah, he does say that. <laughs> and, and of course, there's no transliteration in the Bible at all, right? Well, no, I'm not saying that. Well, see, there's too much. See, there's and so that's what I'm saying. There's too much questioning. That's why I, you know, for me, I'm an empiricist, as you probably haven't. Well, I mean, you you probably have, I should say, have um, you know determined by by this point, uh, Charles. You know, I'm, I'm pretty much an empiricist, and there's just too much, you know, contradictory uh, evidence, as it were, for me to, uh, you know, you know, just. Adhere to, uh, adhere to it. You know, you know, just and, and this and, and that's ever since I was, uh, you know, and, you know, as I said, much, much of my mom's uh, consternation. Uh, too many questions. 
you know. Yeah, and of know, course we go to so. Genesis three. We go to Genesis three sixteen, where he gives the woman pain in childbirth. And so up until that point, there was no pain and no childbirth. And you can only have pain in childbirth when you're in a human flesh. So I mean, we we can get away from the subject of the. Pope and and the Federal Reserves and you know that's why I try to stay away. <laughs> yeah, from there the you go. Well, we yeah. do. That's the organic nature of the show. As I said, uh, I think we we talked offline uh, or off air, uh, Charles. So, yeah, that's how the organic nature of Bard's logic is. Is sometimes we uh, we go off on tangents and get away from our main topics, which maybe just some of the disagreement of even our listeners, but uh, it does keep things. Uh, Interesting sometimes. But anyway, yes, let's go ahead and bring it back. We only got about uh, 20 minutes, unfortunately, before I have to, uh, or maybe even 25, before I got to start closing things out for uh, tonight and and looking forward to uh, our next show, uh, you know, next week. And so uh, let's go ahead and, yeah, let's go ahead and and bring it back to, you know, our tonight's topic. So go go ahead, Joe. Yeah, and I think what I would like to say about that, the guy that we had on that had the IRS issue, I think that when you look at his story, and yeah, and how do you pronounce his name? Is it Nyden? Nyden, yeah. I I, I had to spell it out. You know, it took 21 people to get me through my doctor degree. How's that? Um, The fact is that the corrupt, government and its misuse of its power and the fact that you have a religious leader the Pope who everybody believes has their best interest and that the Catholic Church does not teach the Old Testament and I was in the Catholic Church up until 1999 and I'm born in 1942 and I taught marriage encounter, and I my my kids were all altar boys and everything else. That they are restricting your knowledge, and that we brought the show back into the fact of what the Pope's doing and what the gentleman earlier had said from New York of his structuring the United States government by giving you a facade of climate control, education, and doctrine, which is totally against the principles of the U.S. Constitution. There are articles written that show the Pope is totally against the federalism or the republic of the United States. And it's been the intent of the Catholic Church from its very beginning, to destroy the foundation of America. And there would be a lot of contradiction of many people that would find that totally out of order, and they would say, let you be struck down by lightning for going against God and his placement of the Pope. And it was up until two years ago after doing a lot of research that I found the tie-in between the Bush family, the Masons, the Socialist Party of Germany, Hitler, the Pope, 
and now the movements of the Hispanics becoming the major players in American politics and also in the next 30 years they will outnumber the African Americans and the Europeans in America and we continue that path we allegedly are going to lose our identity. There was a study done that said Mm -hmm. we will lose one billion Christians by 2050, and we will gain one billion Muslims in that same time frame. And I reject that statement. I do not accept that statement, and I think we have the power to reject this negative thing that's going on around us. I think that we, you, me, and any one individual, once we're united, can stop and continue to do. Now, you go back to free will and things biblical, and I don't believe my assignment is by my choice. And I don't believe your assignment is by your choice. And I think it fits into a picture that is totally uncommunicable and cannot be explained by any person. So does the Pope influence Rubio? Does the Pope want the Communist Party of Cuba open? Does the Pope want to see a socialist country in the United States? Does the Pope want to have a one nation, one world power, absolutely. And I kind of leave you guys figure that one out from there. Well, I agree. And, and unfortunately, I, I think that's uh, something that's not very popular uh, with uh, many of the listeners and uh, in, in the audience, uh, unfortunately. And even when I put the uh, the title together for tonight's show, I kind of had a feeling uh, that would that, that would be the case. Um, so, but you know, the truth is the truth. What you know, whatever it is, I do believe there is uh, an objective truth. Just for the simple uh, philosophical premise that simply cannot exist and exist at the same time. Uh, thus, there has to be objective truth. And so, you know, whether you you know follow. Uh, the uh, you know you know Catholic Church or what have you um, is anyone can be you know unfortunately you know anyone I would think could be corrupted even in the people at the highest uh, levels of power even within uh, religion you know unfortunately now I personally don't have anything against uh, religion I don't have anything against Catholics I don't have anything against Christians now while I don't follow uh, the dogmas and beliefs that, uh, you know, Kelly would well attest is I don't have anything against them. However, uh, people ought to have the knowledge and know what, um, you know, what, what these folks are doing. I think that's, uh, you know, very important. I, I don't, I don't know if it's always been like that. I don't think it's, if there's just been a steady progression, progression to, uh, you know, for the Catholic Church to always do that. Now, you mentioned, Charles, that it's been since the inception uh, of at least the modern day. When I mean modern day, I'm probably talking about, you know, you know, for, you know, maybe even 1400s uh, when I'm talking about 
you know, trying to get a world, a one world government uh, together, you know, perhaps at some point, maybe they thought it'd be a good, be a good idea, especially back in the, uh, you know, 13th, 14th century to have uh, a one world government where the Catholic church would be at the head of it. And maybe the people there thought that it would be, uh, you know, a world religious government where everyone would be, you know, under the, you know, influence of the Catholic Church, maybe not so much for power, but as to have, you know, everyone under, you know, the rule of God, so to speak, I guess. You know, maybe that was their original intentions. Uh, But as corruption can do uh, with power, perhaps the, um, it kind of was, you know, that want was skewed. Now, of course, that's, you know, speculation on my part, uh, but perhaps that is how things, uh, could have turned out. Uh, what say you? What do you think, uh, Kelly? Uh, that's kind of a multi-pronged question. Um, I just want to start out. I've I've met a lot of uh, very amazing human beings who love people, help with our local homeless shelter, et cetera, et cetera. They're Catholic. Um, I believe I'll see a lot of Catholics in heaven. I'm not a fan of the Catholic system, if you will. One time they had three popes. They couldn't decide amongst themselves who was the vicar of Christ or next to Christ on earth. But, you know, the the history researching the Catholic Church is just mind-blowing. But they had, you know, with confessions, and you can pay for your sins, just pay us $10. They'll send some more and then pay us another $10. You know, they were able to accumulate a lot of money. And Mm -hmm. they they switched the idea of the Catholic priests from, um, yeah, you can be married to, oh, no, you can't be married anymore because of the concept of when um, the heir. The heir was a widow, and the Catholic priest wouldn't get the land. So, there, you know, there are certain problems. I mean, the first pope, Peter, was married, or they claim he was the first pope. But, you know, there's problems with that system and, you know, they've had an, I watched a YouTube video inside the Vatican. There's just wealth and gold and jewels and all sorts of, all over, everywhere. Like, why aren't we helping the poor here, folks? You know, go back to John 21. Um, it, has, it has the system. The system has, I'm sorry, I just have a lot of suspicions about the system. Is it the Antichrist? I don't know. Is there somebody above the Pope? I don't know. Um, somebody claimed that the Pope, the Catholic Church made the uh, Muslim religion. Really? I don't know. Oh, Muhammad's wife is Catholic. Well, I don't know. I haven't researched it. I've heard an awful lot of stuff. I can't verify it. Um, but there is, this. my, my suspicion is the, um, having all that wealth, how much money, the kings of England, this I can verify, and they have verified some of this. The kings of England, basically, the Pope told them what to do. Um, and um, King Henry II, he was a good king of England, he issued the Aziz of Clarendon in 1166. He took the indictment power out of the hands of the Catholic Church. That's where, in modern times, the grand jury got started as a shield, like trial by jury. If the jury says no, well, then that's it. No more prosecution. And if the grand jury, of Aziz of Clarendon, said, hey, no more, uh, we don't 
find probable cause, we're not going to send him to trial. And so the king did a very good thing in taking um, the indictment power out of the hands of the Catholic Church. Why did he have to do that? Some kings bucked the Catholic Church. Some kings loved the Catholic Church. Um, Bad King John loved the Catholic Church so much that the barons and nobles said, that's it, we're going to war, and that's how we got Magna Carta. Um, It's just the history of it is a concern, plus the terrible, terrible um, murdering of of Christians uh, in Europe by the Catholic system. Has it changed today? Many will claim it has. Um, Ratzinger, he resigned, and everyone's like, what? You don't resign, that's just a job. But I think he was confronted with some bad things that he just said, I'm done, I resign. Um, I'm no longer the Christ on earth, position, job, whatever I am. But I dearly love a number of, of Catholic people, and I find a lot of liberty fighters with them, allied with them. Right. And one of them, really good guy. Um, right, yeah. Yes. I haven't heard from him for a while, have you? I haven't heard from Jim for quite some time. I've sent emails and things uh, of that nature. Yeah. No, not personal yeah, emails, night, but actually. just, you know. Yeah, I I'm talked sorry? to him last night. I talked to him last night. Network oh. America, by the way, Charles, you know, for the sake of liberty, uh, we're, we're um, Network America, you might want to check that out because we're, Jim, Jim is big on running for um, Congress, and it requires local radio stations to put him on the air. And he has had a number of interesting guests during his political time on the air. He has to pay for the ads. But when you run for right. office, you have these special privileges with radio stations that they have to put you on. Well, that's, um, not lo- that's no longer true. They don't have to put you on. They did away with that law. We thought it was mandated if they had you... Um, uh, advertise or talk about any candidate you had the same right they did away with that law about 30 40 years ago and we're still under the assumption that we have a right to be on these stations and we don't we cannot well, sue them, go after them in court or anything well he keeps running for office and he keeps getting on the air that's because they like what he says oh maybe so anyway um <laughs> Well, that, well, that, well, he, and, and, well, he does, and let me interject, gentlemen, because I know, you know, Jim, too, and uh, if you can, Kelly, next time you talk to him, uh, ask him to give me a call. I'd like to touch base with him just to see how he's doing. I haven't really talked to him in, you know, quite some time. Actually, I haven't talked to him since uh, we had him on the show uh, talking about traffic count after his uh, untimely passing. And uh, so I just wanted to see how he was doing because I know him and Trap Camp were really good friends. And yeah, I'm sure that kind of, you know, hit him hard. Uh, but, yeah, if you could just ask him to, to give me a call, I'd appreciate it just so I can uh, talk with yeah, him. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's uh, yeah, he's been on there and he's paid for the, you know, he's actually paid for the time. And one thing I'm, you know, considering doing is with my local radio station here uh, is seeing about, you know, hopefully in the not-too-distant future, uh, do something a little different is to try to have uh, Bart, an episode of Bart's Logic uh, live on one of those uh, those radio stations. So we'll see uh, if that, of course, I'll let people know if, if that's something that would be in the works. Because uh, it is, it's like, uh, I think it's $600 an hour is what uh, 
what he has to pay in order to do that. I'm not, I'm not sure of the exact amount, but uh, I, if memory serves me correctly, that might be how much it is. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, yeah, he did it last radio, year. Yeah. And there's several radio stations in Florida. You can get a half hour for 250 300 depends when, if you want to be on AM or FM. Can I pick up a minute on the church and then get out of the conversation? Yeah, Back go ahead. We only got about 15 minutes for, or less, actually, 10, so i got to close things out. Go ahead. I'm, and I'll make it brief. Apostle Paul, uh, everything about the building was home ministry. There was no such word as the church. In biblical terms, the church was the vessel or the person. There was never meant to be a building. God himself, Jesus himself, says, I will no longer dwell in a building that man builds. I will only dwell in that which I build. So that made us the vessel, and that was the indwelling spirit of the Holy Ghost. So today we're finding that many people are no longer going to the building because they thought at a point in time that's where they found God. The Christians today are realizing that the indwelling spirit of the transfiguration of God and the Holy Spirit and the heavenly places and the kingdom of God dwells within them. So we should not look at the Catholic Church anymore being the symbol because God, in fact, says don't worship idols. The Catholic Church is set up on a system of idols and offerings, and you got your seats and your positions within the church by paying for them. So now that I'm a non-denomination individual and I understand that I carry God with me and that whatever I do is an action of my spiritual union with that, I no longer think of the building as being the church. I think of I am the church and the building is the assembly and the assembly is supposed to teach me, Bill John 21, feed, clothe, and shelter. So I'm going to just kind of let you think about that because I think there's been a big misinterpretation by theologians. And when I did my classes in theology, I had a lot of debates on how individuals looked at the body of Christ. Huh. Well, yeah, thank you very much for that, Charles. And we'll, de- and we'll definitely have to uh, keep track of uh, how your campaign's going as uh, the 2016 election season uh, gets further on uh, underway and gets deeper and deeper into it. I'm sure we'll have you uh, back on the show. And perhaps when we do have the, uh, you know, if we have that show with Chad and, and, and have that discussion, uh, perhaps uh, we'll have you back on, you know, just to kind of chime in if you'd like, uh, just to make comments, maybe be uh, a panel, at least for a, for the night, panelists for the night on that. Uh, so I do see there's only about, uh, yeah, 15 minutes left of the show, and so we'll have to go ahead and start uh, closing things out uh, for this evening. But I want to, of course, thank everyone uh, who's come on tonight. Uh, Charles, I appreciate you spending on you know, the whole show with us tonight. I uh, really appreciate it. And we definitely want to hear more about what you're doing uh, in the future. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, get ready to do some closing things and beginning with, tell us uh, what uh, other than uh, what you're working on 
with uh, the campaign, uh, but what you're working on for Citizens for a Better America. Tell us a little bit more about that, and then uh, we'll make some close and make your closing comments for this evening. And then Kelly will have your closing comments and mine. And then, of course, we will play that ending song that I do every evening here that we have the show uh, by Aubrey Ashburn. And of course, you can hear more of her music, folks, by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. Uh, so let's go ahead, uh, uh, Charles, and uh, tell us a little bit about the Citizens for a Better America and then uh, your closing thoughts for this evening. Go ahead. All right. Well, number one, we filed and we are an active candidate as a no-party affiliate. We, the second article on the web, you're now the first article on the web about your show tonight, is about our constitution and bylaws for the new political party called Citizens for a Better America Party of Florida. We will be on the ballot is the primary race in March under a political party because we understand that. We will be on the ballot in uh, November as a CFA, which is uh, you have to have a letter digit, if you will, like Democrats, Republicans, or Libertarians, or whatever. So we'll be called CFA. We will go multinational after 2016. Our direction is by the 220 ballot, we will actually have a party candidate for president of the United States. So when people ask me where I'm at, the race in 212, the gubernatorial race in 214, the senatorial race in 216, what's my next goal? That's 220 where we will have, it's going to be called CFANP. It'll be Citizens for a Better American National Party. We will then have our own candidates to compete against the candidates for president of the United States. And although I probably will not be that candidate, we will then be sponsoring and be a national party and be in all 50 states. Currently, the Libertarians are in about 20 states. We estimate it takes $500 million to run a political party to be in all 50 states. So we're really looking at the fact that if every American that's eligible to vote would send us $20, change the entire political arena by 2020. So I have some really long-term goals. That would make me 78 years old. I'm going to then retire and go fishing. I <laughs> get fishing. There you go. And uh, <laughs> so uh, if you like, uh, we get a few minutes. Uh, Charles, can you give us some closing thoughts about uh, tonight's topic? And then we'll bring it over to you, Kelly, and then I'll close things out. Go ahead, Charles. Yeah, we actually had this same topic on uh, Sally's show, which is American Statesman, uh, two weeks ago. And it was about the same topic of the impact of the Catholic Church on immigration and what was going on. And we went through the same scenarios that there is a conclusion that the Catholic Church is influencing the political decisions in America and that the American people are not aware of it. And we are not getting debates against what we're saying. We're actually getting the majority of people, after listening to us on the subject, agreeing that America is being destroyed by false doctrine given forth by political parties, 
the President of the United States and major churches who refused to stand up and go against the United States and its political powers for fear of losing its IRS status. And that's one of the reasons we wrote articles called uh, H.R. 25, uh, the closing of the IRS, which was actually written eight years ago by two Republicans in Georgia and the books out of um, uh, Texas. So you can follow that article. It's very important that we understand that when any religious leader starts dictating what we're doing, it is not into our best interest. And so whether it's the Pope or it's a born-again Christian or it's a a Mormon, or any other group, this cannot be a religious activity. This has got to be where you believe in God and that you then follow your instructions according to your calling and then you bring America back to the Constitution. We are not following the Constitution. We must get rid of the Federal Reserves. We must close the IRS. And we got to stop people like Obama bypassing the Congress and Congress must stand up and take its responsibility and fire and bring charges against the president for treason and members of Congress under McCarthyism there's a law where we can actually charge Congress for the same violations as the president Very well, and also uh, just remember, through my understanding, the founding fathers were deists. Uh, and for folks who know what that is, um, I find that very uh, interesting indeed. And so, Kelly, let's go ahead and uh, bring you in, and thank you, Charles, again for coming to the show. We all do look forward to having you on, and let's definitely keep in touch off air. And I definitely would like to talk to uh, in some more as well and, and keep track of his situation and get some kind of updates. We'll probably have to have a show at some point to just get updates on everyone uh, who we've had on the show. That that they could fill up uh, a three-hour show just there, just getting updates uh, for people. Uh, so go ahead, Kelly, uh, if you want to give your closing thoughts for this evening, and then uh, I'll shut things down uh, for tonight. We've got about uh, three minutes for that, and then I'll have to shut things down. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, what I'm amazed at is, uh, you know, well, there, there are respectful uh, religious Inferences, if you will, Declaration of Independence, for example, Providence, uh, Nature's God, um, those kinds of things. Because there were different religions, if you will. Maryland was highly Catholic. Pennsylvania was like Quaker, and Massachusetts was, you know, all these things. We came over here to worship how we wanted to, not to be under the King of England. Um, Deus, uh, Benjamin Franklin definitely believed in God. He just probably didn't uh, go to church like some... John Jay, when he gave a charge to the grand jury, he said, we are to the uh, 1778, I believe, to a grand jury in New York. He said, we are now a nation, God be praised. Let us show to the American people that as a new nation, uh, your job as a grand jury, that we can prove and uphold the law. It was quite the stunning uh, statement. But you know, some of these some people claim that the founding fathers were an atheist. Uh, during the development of the Constitution, they would stop and pray and stop and pray, and uh, even sometimes have prayer meetings. And it's absolutely stunning that 
that these atheists stop and have prayer meetings. I mean, some churches, they can't even get people together to have <laughs> yeah. prayer meetings. And so they got these atheists to have these prayer meetings. I'm, I'm jesting here. Um, but what I find in my faith is I like what is natural, and the Constitution is just extremely natural, and it makes sense. And the strange thing about studying the Word, all of a sudden certain truths come to me, oh, that makes sense, I never understood that before. And the Constitution is the same way. Well, why is this and why is this? As I get older, I get into experience, I understand the essentials, you know, of due process of law and what happens. And you know, looking at the Fifth Amendment, that's kind of it's pretty much into the sixth. That's the legal process. You get an indictment, you go to trial, you get due process, right to confront your accusers, all sorts of things. It, it kind of goes through the legal steps in putting somebody to jail. It, it's quite fascinating, of course. When I was 21, if I would have read that, I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm not quite sure what all this means. But experience in life really bring what is natural, what ended up on paper, what is natural in the Bible, was not natural in the Constitution to, wow, this is stunning. This is uh, really important to, and of course, it was written by older men <laughs> who had the maturity to understand quite a bit of the natural law, if you will. So he's Cicero and the Iroquois and a number of um, references. And sometimes what is natural just ding, that's it. Somebody dropped the phone. Anyway. No, no, um, sorry, yeah, I'm breaking up a little bit there, Kelly. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed some thoughts by our guest tonight. Um, yeah, maybe another day we have a full theological session. I like to bring on some uh, philosophical types or philosophers, even even an atheist, to challenge us as long as we're all polite to really gently I don't know, it's just, uh, let's be challenged and, and, and see I don't know if we can do that someday, but it would just be an interesting part of logic. Well, I, actually I have a very good uh, uh, a very good friend of mine who is a uh, philosophy professor and also has his uh, philosophical perspective out there called experientialism. Uh, his name's uh, Gary Michael Blahnik, B-L-A-H-N-I-K. Um, he's, an author, an, he's also an author and playwright, and we've had him on the show a couple of times. Uh, so definitely check that out in the, in the archives. Uh, so, yeah, he's uh, got experientialism. Uh, check that out as well. Um, so that'd be interesting. Cool. Maybe we could, I could get him on. Uh, maybe I'll, we'll, we'll go to dinner and I'll have him on to talk about it. But I do see that it is time for me to close things out. So I do appreciate everyone for coming to the show tonight. Whether you're listening to the show uh, on the archives or live, appreciate it. And Charles, I appreciate you putting the link of the show on your website. Uh, draw some folks uh, to that to hear our very interesting discussion tonight. And I really appreciate that. And I want to Wish you luck on your endeavors and definitely want to have you back on the show. And so, folks, I will uh, see you next week at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, but, of course, I will end tonight, as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to her website at www.aubreyashburn.com. So, good night, folks. Take care. And we will see you again next week here at Bard's Logic Political Talk. Good night. God bless. God bless. God bless.